Could not be more pleased to have back on the Rich Eisen podcast, Matt Damon. Are you one of those Patriot fans that takes Lee in the Jets and the butt fumbling? Scene? I made the Liberace movie this year, so that's fine. <laughs> There's some butt fumbling in that movie, too. Just a wee little bit. <laughs> Larry David, good to see you, sir. I think a lot of writers can be offensive coordinators. What's harder? If I could write stories, why would I be able to draw up a play? He is none other than Broadway, Joe Namath. If Mark were to get the nod, and if he played decently, if, uh, if, what a big word for only two letters, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Cannavale. I told you my Derek Jeter story. I had Yankees, Atlanta, for the World Series. Screaming, screaming, screaming. Nothing, nothing, nothing. He doesn't even look at me. Finally, last at bat, eighth <laughs> inning, yeah. Jeter comes up. Derek! Just turn around, man! Just turn around! <laughs> Finally, he like dumb. He does the thing with the weight. He's about to go up. He turns around. He looks at me. He goes, "Bro, I hear you." <laughs> Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the quarter post of the National Football League regular season. Four weeks in, week number five is suddenly upon us. It goes so fast every single year. It goes faster every single year. And I know all of us would just love to pause, hit the pause button, and soak in everything and then have the season last into June, but that's just not the way things go in the National (laughs) Football League. Uh, I am your humble host, Rich Eisen, set for another uh, exciting and what I'm I'm looking forward to... uh, executing edition of the Rich Eisen podcast. Chris Law, good to see you. Rich, good to see you. How are you holding up, Chris Brockman? On NFL Game Day Morning, we haven't really talked about that you joined the NFL Game Day Morning crew this year. Yeah. You are the segment producer, essentially, for Marshall Falk. For Hall of Famer Marshall Falk. So Marshall basically chats with you throughout the week. You pick his brain throughout the week, see what he wants to say. You report back to producer Matt Abrams what he wants to talk about, and then that's how Rundown comes to be. And then we make it happen on TV, so kind of what you see. I'm not going to take credit at all for what you see Marshall do on Sunday, but... I, you know, I'm involved and of, you know, of getting of getting the you know the ideas together and kind of putting the video together and it's um, it's not up, an easy gig. It's not an easy gig. I'm trying to come up with some new ideas, so I'm looking forward to it. But as I was telling you right before off air, I'm exhausted. It's, it's a long, <laughs> it's a marathon. It's week five, and the day, the days just melt together. And uh, man, I'm I'm beat. I know, and we're we're recording this on uh, Tuesday, October first, the first October games. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. The National Football Break out League. your pink, everybody. Yeah. We will on Thursday night football as the Bills and Browns kick things off for week number five. Kind Both of an exciting teams little two game right there. Two. Both teams two and two. Winner of this game, the Browns or the Bills, will go to three and two, and in. The AFC North three and two might darn well be good enough for first place. Definitely, there's three teams tied at two and two for the division leader. Right the now. Ravens go to Miami, which proved on Monday Night Football uh, what we already knew: it's tough to win in that dome wow. when Sean Payton and Drew Brees are on top of their game, and that defense is rushing the passer. Saints look pretty good, man. There's a lot of injuries too. Looked good, but the Ravens go to play Miami, which fell to three and one. That offense is not a joke. If no. they can protect Ryan Tannehill, they could do some serious damage. They ran the football well. Tannehill, I mean, he got what, sacked a few times. He ran that read option. I mean, he he flew out of there. He's Mike a, Wallace disappeared though. I yeah. mean, and how, how you know how you make Mike Wallace disappear though is rush the passer. Right. Yeah. Get him off the spot. Yeah. You can't. You can't stretch the field when you can't. But bottom line is the Ravens just lost to Buffalo. They now go to Miami. It is possible. 
it is possible that the Cleveland Browns improve to three and two at home, and Cincinnati loses to a New England at home, as the Patriots proved in week number four. That just that surprised when me you too. think, just when you think that the Patriots are going to get got, they get somebody else. I, I did not see that one coming. Either. Marshall Falk lone wolfed the Patriots on NFL game day morning. He was the only analyst to say the Patriots were going to win in Atlanta, and you felt the enti- the thud you heard was Patriots Nation falling off its collective couches hearing Marshall Falk say that he liked the Patriots <laughs> in a game <laughs> true. of that note. Obviously, Brockman's rubbing off on them in those, when they're talking. But just when week. you think they're going to get gut, and it, the stage was set for Sunday also for the Patriots to get got in Atlanta because, you know, the Falcons are different in that dome. Right. Mm-hmm. And you didn't think the Falcons were going to fall to one and three despite having Steven Jackson out Absolutely and a lot not. of their linebackers not being healthy. Uh, you thought that was going to be the moment that Brady would not be able to go point for point with the natural in that offense. We saw them in Buffalo, week one in Buffalo, with E.J. Manuel's first career start. Not the worthy opponent that you would think, even though they almost lost, they still won. Then there's the Jets' short week at home. They didn't really need to put up points because Geno Smith is proving on the road to be as prolific a turnover machine at the position as Mark Sanchez. (laughs) As we saw in Tennessee this week, I believe uh, Brian Costello, of the New York Post, a Jet beat writer, said that um, that Sanchez had the butt fumble and Geno Smith now has the behind-the-butt fumble. Was he trying to go like, I, like I've never Harlem seen, Globetrotters I've behind his back or something? seen a quarterback go and exchange the ball from one hand to another behind his back like he was going down the lane to try and switch hands and finger roll. I'm sure Favre, the, Favre did it in some pee- I've never <laughs> seen it. Yeah, that was... And he's backing up towards his goal line right. while doing it. It was just an absolute abomination that you that you don't... that you, you can't have from your quarterback position. Mm-hmm. You cannot have that. So, at any rate, New England, right, goes into Atlanta. You thought that after that week three, they, they, they won at home against Tampa. Yeah, they didn't they have hadn't to scored do very a, they much. They scored a second-half touchdown Here's the, the whole time. year. Here's the time. And, 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 and it was all lined up for that narrative to play out in front of a national stage, not just of what was in Atlanta, but earlier in the day, Wes Welker, two touchdowns. He's lighting Danny it up. Woodhead, two touchdowns. Lighting it up. So there you go. Those are the weapons – Tom Brady's missing, and they, on their week four stages, two touchdowns apiece, and it was all set. Oh, there's Tom Brady's weapons out there in the AFC West, killing it. And who does he have? Oh, my God. Kenbrell Tompkins is growing up. Yep. Right? It's like swingers. He's all grown How up. How about LeGarrette Blunt? 61 yards on nine <laughs> rushes and a touch. Hit the blunt, right, as Dion likes to say. Sap tweeted that out, I think, too. <laughs> well, they didn't hit him. That was a touchdown in flag no, football. he got untouched. That was untouched. They couldn't even get near a flag if he had I him mean, hanging from his hips. Yeah. I think you run a faster 40 than LeGarrette Blunt right now, and he's outrunning those guys to the end zone. And the Patriots had rare end-of-game issues, right? They got... 
they almost, got they, they didn't get they didn't get an onside kick, which you know Belichick. Oh. That is something he's gonna go oh. nuts. And it looked about. like it went right through Sudfeld's oh, hands. And you week. can see Edelman just like get out of the way, Sudfeld. Like his Edelman was right, right. there too. Oh. That is the stuff that Belichick prides himself. Oh. And on. then Brady fumbled on the, on right. the QB sneak. Right, it looked like he jammed his whole fingers too. They showed that slow mo replay. It went right in yeah. his hand. And and do you remember at the end when they finally stopped the match in that red zone? And they doubled Tony Gonzalez, and were, they were hitting him. They were essentially they were blowing him up yep. in that five yard. Not going to let him beat you. They, and 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 um, and and uh, Collinsworth was saying on the NBC broadcast, he doesn't even know how they got the call in to do that on the fly. Yes. I how does that. Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator, oh, get, get the call oh, in right, to right. let his guys know? This is what we need to do. We have to double him. We are not going to let Tony Gonzalez, who's been going off on us all game, beat us. And I thought to myself, I said to Susie, as we're watching it, I said to my wife, you know what? You know when they made that call, I bet? During the week. Yeah. During the week. Who knows situational football better than the the Patriots and Bill Belichick? I bet you, during the week, they were running, okay, time's running out. They just... You got to figure Matt Ryan is going to try and come back in the dome if you're fortunate enough to have that lead. And if you need to win the game on defense, you know Ryan's going to do his usual thing. And if you remember a couple weeks ago, late game, fourth down to try to win the game, he tried to jam it into a triple team, Tony Gonzalez. And, and the thing that I'm sure Belichick's going nuts about is when they're on the minor side of the field, when they're on side of the 50, What's the first thing he's going to do? He's going to go up top to Julio Jones, and they got beat on wow. it. Wow. That was and they got beat amazing on Amazing catch. And so, so when you get in the red zone, who do you need to look for? Well, I, I, Tony Gonzalez. And I bet, I, I just, I don't know. I'm only assuming. I bet during the week they were like, if we're in this situation, this is what we're going to do. And sure enough, they were in that situation. And that's what they did, but and they got a, they they escaped with that win. Dirk Cutter's got to you got to stack Gonzalez there and have a have Roddy in front of him because he, he's not going to get off double press coverage. If maybe you stack him though. Maybe you're right. He can, I, he can, maybe you're right. Maybe the offensive coordinator moves needs to move his chess piece. Yeah. After seeing one, two, three consecutive downs of your guy getting exploded, <laughs> the minute the ball is snapped. All right, oh. so. That was a fascinating development to the me. The dome was empty, too, because a lot of those Atlanta Falcons left. When it was 30, 30 yeah. to 17. Why wouldn't they? It was a hell of a It was 30 finish. to 13, 30, 13, wasn't it? yeah, you're right. And it was 30 to 20, then they got the onside kick, then they get the field goal, and then Brady, of all things. What a stat that they had. That's why, again, right NBC before, is so great with right. Elias. What was that? On third and fourth and one. The 73 snaps that Brady's had in his career, he's converted a first down 70 times. Right. Amazing wow. And there was the 74th time. The he was 70 did. for 74 now. And he comes out too early as, the, I guess, the, the center. Another changeable part that the Patriots have been able to fill. Their center over the last couple of years. Copen's gone. gone. It's unbelievable. Now they've got to do it with Wilfork. Who's out for the season? Yeah, yeah, that's a big blow. You know, the other, I mean, get to Will Fork in a second. The other big stat I took away from that, 14 rookies on the Patriots. Seven that they drafted, seven undrafted. And they're one of the five 4-0 teams right now. Unbelievable. One of the five 4-0 teams. They're in Cincinnati, and I guess that brings us whole full circle, is that Cincinnati, they could be 2-3. and three. The Ravens can easily go to Miami and lose that game, yep. with all due respect to Raven Nation. And the Steelers are done. 
at 0 and 4 on a bye week. And Ben said finished. Ben said they're the worst team in the well, league. Well, you can't, you can't, you can't, can't really argue. Argue. They're one of the worst, and so they're 0 and 4. The Cleveland Browns have a chance on a short week at home. They should win this game to put together a three-game winning streak after trading away Trent Richardson, With Brian Hoyer, quarterback. <sighs> hey, on. our guy Lombardi said it all the time. You're going to see him a, this week. All we're going to see him. But he, he said it all the time about Brian he Hoyer. He said it all the time. He said that you know when he was up from, for the 49er uh, GM position that went to Trent Baalke, he said to us that if he had gone to San Francisco, one of the first things he would have done was said, let's get that Hoyer kid out of New England. And, hey, so far so good. Nobody thought – remember that week two, it's 0-2. They trade Trent Richardson. Everyone was like, well, they are clearly giving up on the season. Well, guess what? They could be in first place by the end of week five. It's unbelievable. And the other 4-0 teams, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are 4-0 after taking care of the Giants. Uh, Andy Reid has now uh, opened the season with a win in Jacksonville and then has beaten three of the four NFC East teams in succession. He beat the Cowboys at home, then he beat the Eagles on a short week in Philadelphia and then took care of the Giants this past week. And the Giants... I don't know what's going on with them. Mm-mm. They had their chances. I mean, they turned Alex Smith over a, a handful of times. Yep. And and the uh, the Chiefs going into that game hadn't turned the ball over once all season right. long. But they are 4-0. The Kansas City Chiefs behind Andy Reid are 4-0, and they're at Tennessee this week. And the Titans lost Jake Locker for one to two months. Cheap shot or no? You know what? The, when I first saw it, I, I, I didn't think so. But after looking at it in slow motion again, it looks like they shouldn't have hit him. I mean, the second guy even. What, Copels? Get that guy. The first in. hit was late, and then the second guy on the side with the nudge. At that point in time, Locker had always thrown t- three touchdowns. And they I was going to say, just when Jake Locker is coming into his own, the Tennessee defense is playing great. I know. And the Titans are leading the AFC South right now at 3-1, and one, along with the Indianapolis Colts, which whipped up on Jacksonville. And the Titans uh, go home this week and take on the Kansas City Chiefs, 4-0. And the Colts go home this week and take on the 4-0 Seattle Seahawks. And because we are front runners of the first variety here on this podcast, no question, we have Pete Carroll of the 4-0 Seattle Seahawks calling in. Always what complete. a comeback. And returning to the podcast, the biggest Chiefs fan that we, we know, I mean, Rudd is up there, too. Rudd, Riggle. They're all. They're nuts about the Chiefs. There's, David Koechner. There's, there's a, Chiefs, whole, not, there's there's a, a whole, Chiefs cabal out here in John Los Angeles. Ham, Ham. All of them. Uh, Eric Stone Street of Modern Family. Excellent. He will call in about his 4-0 Chiefs. He's doing that fun coach thing for, uh, for AT&T on College Game Day. You see him all yep. the time out there. Yep. Uh, indeed. And, uh, and because it's the end of Breaking Bad... Uh, our friend uh, Jim Ponawazic. Wait, wait. Time, so, so, so this is the, the second. This trick. is the second week in a row You're that have I, I have to leave the room. Hey, listen. Yes, correct. Two times, Brockman. Right. You ca- you're catching up though, right? I, I'm, I'm getting there. And getting last there. but not least, who better to talk about the Baltimore Ravens than Cal Ripken Jr. Wow. The Iron Man himself. Cal freaking Ripken. Awesome. Jr. With the baseball playoffs getting started. We've got to give some full disclosure. I mean, we taped, we taped Cal on Monday. Yes. Because we taped some of these when they're available. And surreal surreal moment when Cal calls in and says, uh, I say, hello. Hey, yeah, you picked Chris up the Law phone. How was that for you, huh? NFL Network. And he's like, uh, yeah, Cal Ripken Jr. And he didn't say Jr. He just said Cal Ripken. And I, How cool It just is never that? gets old. Like, Dude, uh, that's a pinch me. This guy. 
type moment. Is the freaking man. Oh, man. Okay. We talked. We about- don't keep our heads in the sand here in the NFL. Yeah. I, I please, Cal Ripken Jr. So you were at. I was there. The All-Star game when Seattle. he hit that home run uh-huh. in 2001. I was for the worldwide leader in sports. It was kind of like Jeter when Jeter hit hit the one. That's uh, what the, that was. First, that, sw- first game back. It was at that All-Star game that I met Don Mattingly for the first time ah. and told oh, him and that story. Told story. Yeah, that's for those who have listened to Bobby Cannavale. Actually, podcast. you know what I watched the other day? You had tweeted out the um, that video, the a celebrity liar with, with Brian, Brian Cranston. Cranston. Did you watch it all? I watched the first. I watched, I watched the first one because the first story is you telling the, the Mattingly, Mattingly story. story. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, oh that's that's right. Yeah, that's check great. Out. Well, so you knew who was lying and who right. wasn't, I mean, and how good is Brian uh, Cranston? Unbelievable. That guy's amazing. For those who are... Uh, <laughs> well, we should post... Can we post another a video, a YouTube video on our, yeah. on our blog? Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's do that. Okay. Because uh, one, of, one of my good friends, Andrew Hill Newman, um, it, 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 who lives out here in Los Angeles, he has this great idea that is being pitched around town right now. And for those who maybe listen to this podcast and are buyers of shows, <laughs> I cannot believe this has not been picked up. But you get two celebrities in, and one of them tells a story that's happened to them, and the other one tells a reasonable facsimile of that story, s- making it seem like it actually happened to them. Got it. And you have to decide who's the liar and who isn't. Right. Oh, this is great. And, yeah, it's, really, it's really funny. And so I did it once with uh, with uh, John Lovitz. And John then I did Lovitz. it, yes, I, who's the liar, right? He's <laughs> right. the best liar in the history of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Lost to him. And then I did it another time. I think I did it with Hank Azaria. And then I'm driving around. I find through a mutual friend that they're taping Celebrity Liar uh, the next night, and something that was no no longer going on. Uh, it, it's it was an internet room uh, studio in Los in Hollywood that people would tape shows okay. from. That's that place has since been shuttered. Got it. That's why Celebrity Liar is not going on anymore. Long story short, I find out from a friend. I'm like, who's on uh, who's on Celebrity Liar with Andrew Hill Newman this week? And he said it's Brian Cranston. And this was about three years ago, two years ago, 2010, I believe. And and I'm I said, are, are, who, who's the other one doing it? And he mentioned some comedian I've never heard of. And I call up my buddy Andrew <laughs> Newman. I'm like, listen, Andrew, I don't want to make this awkward or uncomfortable for you, <laughs> but I'm doing this. <laughs> but whoever you have booked, you have now unbooked. I am doing the show. I am the one who's going to go and try and out bullshit Walter White. Oh, it was, it was really, it's really good. How good was that? It was good, right? Yeah. So we'll talk about Breaking Bad with uh, Jim uh, Ponowasik of Time, and you'll have again. to. Leave. But if, you, but I also want to talk Homeland. Okay, fine. And um, and Boardwalk Empire. So how about here's what we'll do. For later on, because I know uh, some fans who have not seen... Because what episode are you on for? I am on episode 10 of season four. Okay. So there's lots of folks who are in that boat. We will... When you leave the room, we will give a time. Like, I'll I'll go... It'll be 15 minutes. We'll remind everyone later on, right? Absolutely. And then you can fast forward that amount of time so you can listen to... Because I want to talk Boardwalk Empire with them. I want to talk uh, 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 Homeland premiere. I just got caught up on Game of Thrones. Completely caught up. And that's great. Well, I mean, yeah, that that's that'll be in March. Yeah, um, we'll do that later. Okay. On. And Cal Ripken Jr. is going to come on talking about the Ravens, and uh, I want to talk to him about his his history with with uh, Ray Lewis. 
Baltimore icon to Baltimore icon. Eric Stone Street of Modern Family for the 4-0 Kansas City Chiefs. We will, of course, talk about the other 4-0 teams, the New Orleans Saints, who are 4-0. and um, Also at 4-0, we just talked about the Patriots, uh, also at 4-0. Um, the, Ch- uh, the Denver Broncos. My Lord. Holy smokes. smokes. But, but first, let's get to the coach of the 4-0 Seattle Seahawks. He is the coach of the 4-0 Seattle Seahawks coming off an emotional, rousing, come-from-behind win in Houston in week number four, getting set for the Indianapolis Colts, uh, staying in the AFC South. Uh, he is Pete Carroll back on the Rich Eisen Podcast. How are you, Coach? Good. What's up, Rich? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Well, we're doing doing all right. <laughs> yeah. It took us a while to feel good about yesterday, but we finally got it done. What is it, what is it like to be a coach uh, in a game that, uh, where things aren't going very well, but I'm sure you're seeing stuff out there that you know can break your way. It's just not going your way. How do you, how do you go about your business in a game like that, Coach? Well, really, it's it's pretty pretty consistent for us. We stay positive about knowing that that things can turn, you know. And we we well know that uh, you you can't win that game early, you know. You got you got to wait it out and stay through it and stick with it and, and and give yourself a chance to win in the fourth quarter. And uh, you know sometimes it just doesn't start the way you want it to. And so uh, that one went a long while. <laughs> we weren't doing very well, you know. They were they were having fun. They were cheering and going crazy, and the fans were going nuts and. They were doing everything they wanted to, and, and we just couldn't get out of our own way. And, and uh, fortunately, there's a halftime, you know, so we got <laughs> to go in and kind of regroup and, and come on back out with a really solid resolve. And, and everybody felt like we could, you know, we, we've done it before, and we can get it done, and the belief was really strong. And so we still had to wait a while. <laughs> it took us a while before things started popping. But when it did, we really took advantage of it, and our guys finished just in tremendous fashion. Well, the turnover started coming your way. Ben Tate fumbled, and then comes the pick six that Richard Sherman mentioned uh, the team practiced uh, that very play that he knew exactly what play it was and where to be. Uh, what Walk us through that process throughout the week. Why, why that play? What were you looking at amongst that amongst, I'm sure, a, a bunch of Houston plays, Coach? You know, it was just something that we, you know, you, you take you take a shot at stuff, you know, during during the week sometimes, and you think you got a real tendency. We thought we had a a really good call for for to, that might fit if we could hit it at the right time. And Dan Quinn made a great call uh, in in really, you know, preparing our guys for that. We had the exact same situations two different times in practice. Didn't get an interception the first time, got one the second time, and Richard ran it in. And so we went into the weekend thinking that you know if it happens, we're going to call it and take a shot. And and Richard said, I'm going to get it. You know, he was. <laughs> about it all the way through the weekend and sure enough the opportunity rose and and Cam Chancellor hit it on exactly the right angle and was there as as, as the QB turned to him and the QB threw it hot to get rid of the football and and uh, uh, Richard was just ready to jump he pounced on it made a great play and finished it right and and are those sweeter moments I know all moments of when you're scoring and when you're tying a game are sweet but when you've prepared for it and you watch it actually unfold the way you yeah, prepared that, for it. that was a perfect moment. That was it. It was like time stop for a second because all of a sudden, the, 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 we could see the play, you know, the, the motion, and we thought this could be it. And so we're all in anticipation of it. We're all looking for it. And sure enough, it is. Cam's online, and, and he turns and throws it. Now can we make the play? And and then when he catches the football and he set, starts to separate, it's just like time stop for a moment there, you know, because it just all happened right before your eyes. So it was very rare, rare when it happens just like that. But it sure was uh, exciting. We needed every every step of the way to. to 
to get that done for that, that football game. Now, I know you, we in the media, I'm sure you know, we, we like talking about stuff and then making us where we sound smart. Right, Coach? You, you've, you've, been, you've been in that situation before. Uh, yeah, it's challenging, I'm okay. sure. But, <laughs> we, try, we try to say things, and then, when, and then when a narrative fits the conversation that we've had all week, it makes us feel like we're, we're worthy as well. And in that regard, though, the narrative is is that Seattle, outside of the 12th man, the warm blanket of 12th man protection, it's a, a different team on the road. Is that win on Sunday – does that factor into the way you feel, the way that we're talking about Seattle on the road, that you feel the need to have to come up with a win like that on Sunday? Or are we just in our own world in the media and you're in your own yeah, world? Yeah, you really there? are. Yeah, you know, I was asked something like that. I was asked something like that in, in the press conference. You know, was this, is this the message you wanted to send to all the, the media or something like that? I said, hey, we don't send any message to the media. We're trying to play football, you know. I don't care about that. But, uh, you, you know, that, I mean, if you put it in front of our players, you might get them to answer that way. But that is not part of the conversation. That is never what we're thinking. You know, uh, it, so it, it's really just trying to do the best we possibly can and, and take it as far as we can. We do, we have, we have a tremendous place to play, and it's difficult on our opponent to play at CenturyLink, and we understand that. Um, we have to get ahead in the games. So when, uh, we've been fortunate enough to get ahead in the, in the games at home, and when you do, uh, a ball hawking defense like ours has a better chance to take the football off your opponent, and that's when things really start to go your way. And we, we fought from behind this whole day. It's really difficult to get the ball off a team when that, that's the case, and it was the same way uh, when we started earlier, you know, in, in, in the Carolina game. So uh, we'll see what happens. You know, later in the season last year, we started going, we started making some plays and getting ahead, and the ball was going our way, and all of a sudden now the whole game just shifts and the field seems to tilt in your direction. Um, that football is so important, you know, in turning the game, and, and we continue to emphasize that more than anything we're doing in our, in our game. How good is Russell Wilson? How good He's an amazing he? football player. Yeah, there, there wasn't a guy on our sidelines that didn't wasn't pulling for him. You know, just give him another chance. Give him another chance, and he'll do something. You know, we're all feeling it. And he was telling me, "Give me another chance, too." You know, he kept coming over to me in between series. You know, like, give me a shot at it. Give me a shot to do something. And, and so, Joe uh, Bevel's called a really good game and gave him the opportunities. We only threw the ball five times in the first half. You know, we we couldn't get started at all. And so uh, we picked up on it and gave him some opportunities to do something with it. It's not always that he's going to throw it, obviously, because he. he He's got such great sense for when to take off, and uh, he, you know, put on 77 yards of rushing yards that made an enormous difference in how that that game changed. Has this a performance and how he's been able to command a team and just command himself? Does, has he even surprised you? And surpassed your expectations when you gave him that chance to compete last year. Yeah, coach? yeah. There, there, there's no question. He, he's what it's been, Rich, is how, how consistent he is, how consistently solid and consistently on point he is in preparation, in process. You know, getting to the games, uh, in the game itself, as the game's happening, as the, as the opportunities are unfolding during the game, he's just rock solid and and. Uh, it's it's it really it's just a joy to watch him compete and battle and it's fun for us all you know because he and, and he's having the time of his life as well so uh, it, it's really something to see the kid go he's really special yeah last year's NFC Championship game I'm sure you would have wished to have been playing and have you to have him at your disposal uh, but when when you guys lost to um, Atlanta we had him in our studio at our disposal he came into NFL Network and worked on our Sunday morning show and normally I beat everybody there at our call times like four in the morning so I beat everybody there normally I got there at a quarter to four because I was jacked up and who was already sitting in the green room suited and booted but Russell Wilson 
ready for work with his notes in front of him, coach. I mean, like he was, and I told him, I'm like, you're going to make me look bad. And your job, you know, his job is to make everybody look better. I mean, that's, and that's my job too. I mean, he was already there. He was already there ready to roll. He was awesome. All I can tell you is I'd have been surprised if he didn't beat you in there. (laughs) He did. He was the first one in there. Um, you know? amazing, he has an amazing sense of, <laughs> of how to prove his point that he's going to out-battle you on everything he's doing. So yeah, if you're going to match up with him, make sure you put him on your side. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I've already learned that. I learned that. Yeah. And, and uh, the Colts might learn that firsthand this week. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, of your first blush thoughts on this matchup, Andrew Luck and in his building and that team being 3-1 and one and being pretty stout themselves? Yeah, they're really good, and they've done a fantastic job in such a short time. The club is really solid. Uh, you know, we're we're going right into the heart of the AFC thing here. You know, with uh, Houston and then coming back to Indy, so uh, we expect that they they're playing well. They've they've even added to their team. You know, with the running back and uh, the quarterback is on it, and and so. We're going to have to get get going again. We've got to find a way to get going a little sooner in the game. We've, we've been waiting too long on these <laughs> yeah. games, you know. And uh, But that's it's a fantastic place to play. You know, it's loud as heck and, and, and all that. So we'll get all cranked up for it and see if we can turn out a good football game again. It's really a, a great challenge for us, and it'll mean a lot to us if we're able to come out with a win. Sure. I mean, being 5-0, and oh, I, I couldn't believe that stat, that the Seahawks have never been 4-0 oh before. Yeah. I've never, I, I, had you, had you, when you heard that, were you in equal disbelief? As well, I mean, yeah, we, somebody brought it up during the week, you know, that he had a chance to do that, and I just, I just don't mention it to anybody. <laughs> you know, let's go, let's go see what happens. And, right. and uh, it's cool to get that done. This is a very special team, and uh, I think for the long haul, it's a young club that's just getting going. And to be able to do, you know, little things along the way, you know, those markers start to start to you know stick a little bit, and you start to make some statement that you have a chance to be a good football team. We got a long ways to go. You know, this is just the start. We look at so we just finished the first quarter of the season, mm-hmm. and uh, we're, we're pleased with where we are, but. We we know we got a lot of work to do. Yeah, a couple more questions for you. The other number that that I was surprised to hear also, Coach, is you're the second most, how do I put it, senior head coach <laughs> in the is, National Football long. League. you got to look at your, your stats, guy. That can't be right. That's right. <laughs> you're the second most, is that, am I saying it at least properly, senior most? I don't know. Head coach, no, no, no you're. There, I mean, there's conf- no good way to say it. Just go ahead and say you're, it. You're, you're one of the oldest guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're. You are. Uh, how how do you feel? I mean, you, uh, you don't look it. You you run around like you're twelve. <laughs> I mean, well, it's, uh, it's the last thing that I think of about, about feeling old. I don't feel old at all. Sure. And, and, and uh, so I, I think that that's a misprint. <laughs> it's a misprint. I love it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll speak to the, you know, because sometimes they could take, you know, they could add inches on your, on your height in the, in the program and take some weight off, too. So maybe they can slice a couple of years off. Of that's you. right. That's right. <laughs> you know, when I look at Mooch, I mean, he looks, he looks 18 years younger being on the set as opposed to on the sidelines. So that's just another <laughs> thing, too. That's a true well, story. There's something to that now. I might, I might look pretty young if I wasn't coaching so hard. That's right. <laughs> I know. Steve likes to say he wins every weekend, you know, I mean, yeah. with, with his job right now. And uh, before I let you go, obviously, you know, USC, the, your successor is, is no longer there. Uh, were you surprised at how how quickly Lane Kiffin's tenure went at USC, Coach? Well, it was a very difficult run, you know, and and, and uh, it just just never really got going. You know, they had the good first season, but it still seemed like they had some things going on that they were dealing with. And this this whole NCAA thing was, I just think, was so terribly out of, out of balance, and they had to you know, try to survive all of that. It was awful that it was like that, but. Uh, it, it didn't end well, and, and it's unfortunate for Kiff. You know, he, he's a tremendous worker and all. It just didn't work out, and so 
uh, you know, the Trojan family's taking it hard, and they're, they're going to move on now and try to, try to get the next step to be one where they can really feel good about the work. What does a coach's attribute need to be to succeed in, in Los Angeles in that program, and certainly in this day and age now where it seems that the Southeast has the power, the seat of power in, in college football? Well, I don't think there's any set formula. You guys come in all sizes and shapes and, you know, and, and formats, but somebody's got to be themselves, and it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous place to work because of the, the, you have such an opportunity to be in a great setting. The school is awesome. L.A.'s got so much going on and yeah, with no NFL team there. You know, it's, it's a big story in town and all of that, and it's a fantastic recruiting opportunity there you know, because of you know, the, the population is so great around, around the school. So there's a lot of really positive things. I don't think there's any set formula. I mean, you certainly shouldn't try to copy somebody. you got to do what you can do. And so there's great coaches out there, and I'm sure they'll figure it out and, and make a great choice and all. But, uh, you know, the thing about the SEC and, 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 and what's going on in it, you know, I, I used to like to play those teams. You know, we got to play them a little bit. That was kind of fun. But it, it seems like it's really uh, heavily weighted, you know, and, and all of the pub and everything follows it. Uh, I'd like to see your teams match up more, see the Pac-12 play the SEC more so that you could tell, you know, and, and – uh, be more head-to-head stuff. I wish that would happen. It was good when we were there. We got a few of them. Yeah, shots, but coach, you played everybody. You know, I mean, you see in the in college football today. Certainly, a couple weeks ago, there there's a bunch of schools, big-time schools, paying schools I've never heard of almost seven figures to come and get their butts whipped. But you, 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 basically, you traveled. You you took everybody on. Back well, it really was. It really was part of the makeup. You know, Mike Garrett was the, was the AD at the time, and, right. and we really agreed on that we needed to play tough games to keep us at, at, at our best. And so we took that attitude about it, and it really did help. You know, to, to go to to Virginia Tech and play out there. You know, FedEx, and we, then we went to you know, we went to Auburn when they were the number one team, and we got to play Arkansas and Nebraska and Ohio State. Those were great matchups, and they really make you. And and uh, you know. Uh, and I'm never. I don't like those other games. You know, I know guys do what they do on their schedule and all that. But uh, it, that's the way we saw it, and so we we carried it out. And fortunately, it worked out for us. Okay. Yeah, and fortunately, you didn't play Michigan. At least you know <laughs> in the right. I mean, I didn't. I didn't want our PCU coach. To be very honest with you. <laughs> well, we, we <laughs> like playing that. Michigan. That worked out great. Well, because you, uh, you're in the Rose Bowl. That's yeah, why. Bowl. I know yeah. that's when you played. I remember one time you called me. You were on a recruiting visit. You were like in Michigan, and I'm like, please leave the state. <laughs> like, like just, just drive and just keep going, you know. But we didn't do much damage there in recruiting. <laughs> we weren't very successful there. You did enough. Hey, coach, thanks again. I really appreciate the time. Congrats on the four and zero start, and uh, I look forward. To, we're gonna. I know you take it one at a time. We don't on our Thursday night schedule. We <laughs> look forward to seeing you. I think it's in about three weeks' time in Arizona. I look forward to seeing you. All right, good deal. Hi, Rich. Good talk to you. Stay busy. You bet. Thanks. That's Pete Carroll, right. the head coach of the four and zero Seattle Seahawks on the Rich Eisen podcast. Pete Carroll, everybody, of the Seattle Seahawks as he gets set to take on the Indianapolis Colts. Big game. Little USC Stanford, right? I couldn't believe when I found out he was the second oldest coach behind Tom Coughlin. Yeah, isn't that incredible? So young. He looks great. So he said he's like 12. Yeah. It's pretty cool, man. And he's, uh, his, that, that, you know, they don't talk about it, but they feel it, that we're all waiting for the big road win. We're all waiting, listen, we're waiting for the wins on the road that we see at home with regularity. See, I think not. I, I think he's right. I think the media thinks that people talk about care about what the media think more than they do. I think they really don't. That conversation doesn't come up. Well, I'll tell you what. The more that they keep winning and the more that Denver keeps doing what it is doing, the more we're going to start talking about this matchup that doesn't happen in the regular season. The Schaefer Super Bowl. And, uh, the Schaefer Super Bowl. Exactly. Did any of us pick that? 
Seattle so. and Denver? I, I had Denver you and San Francisco. You have Denver San Francisco. Oh, right. and get those ready. We're going to hit that at yeah. the end of the show at the quarter post sure. because I am very pleased <laughs> with the way my stuff is shaping up. I'm I not sitting about, so hot. I don't know about you guys, Mr. Cam Newton MVP, but uh, the way that Seattle's playing, the way that Denver is playing. I mean, we talked about this in game day morning on Sunday, it's and, and we talked about it in the meeting on Saturday. To a man, every single one of our analysts is essentially saying, if Denver keeps playing like this and Peyton Manning keeps playing like the way that he's playing, they're unbeatable. Well, I'm ready to take it a step further and think about Denver going undefeated. Well, that's what Mooch said. But it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Of course. Guys can get hurt. Of course. Tony and, Dungy and, and all, you need, all you need to do, all you need, well, Tony Dungy rested Peyton because of um, – because Polian was saying, let's rest him. Yeah, okay. So you, right. think, you so, think Fox plays him through? It wasn't Dungy. It was, it was Caldwell. Dungy was gone by that point. I thought the Fort. No, oh, yeah, the Fort, you're right. This you're was right. a Jim Actually, Caldwell sorry. situation. In 2006, when I'm they sure went to Jim- the Super Bowl, they were not undefeated. They, they, were, they were winning well. And if you remember their Super Bowl season, everyone's wondering they can't win because they couldn't stop the run. And suddenly they did in, in, the, in, the, in the playoffs. Well, they had that great but, comeback against but, New but. Light, we need to see some, you know, we need to get to November and December. But the way that Manning is playing is off the charts. We could sit here and, and say his numbers. The, the ones that are just ridiculous, they're averaging 44 points a game. They're averaging more points per game than some teams have play, scored all season, period, aggregately over their first four games. Yep. And zero picks. There was some insane stat, too, where I think that they won. And zero, zero picks, 19 touchdowns, zero picks. I mean, take, take, a, look at the, uh, take a look at the standings. Let me let, let's just get that number for you while while we're seeing here. Peyton Manning and the and the Broncos have averaged forty four points a game. Right. Okay. Um, points four in the uh, in the National Football League. Tampa has exactly forty forty four points. Exactly. What about Jacksonville? Points. And Jacksonville has thirty one points. Wow. So Peyton Manning and the Broncos are averaging as many points per game as two teams have scored aggregately in their first four games. It is really remarkable what they're doing. And they're at Dallas this week. And once the San Diego uh, at Oakland game was put on NFL Network at night this Sunday because the Oakland A's are playing on Saturday in, in Mount Davis and they can't, I guess, reconfigure the stadium in time for a 1 p.m. Pacific kickoff, they put that game on at night and CBS's crew is going to do it on NFL Network at night at um, an 11 o'clock Eastern kick on Sunday night, that put Broncos at Dallas in 100% of the CBS markets in the country. It big, will be coast big, big to coast. Every single CBS affiliate now, do you th- will be showing that game in week number five. Do you think this is the week maybe Manning gets dusted up, hit, knocked down a little bit? I don't know. I mean, they, they, the question is just the way to beat him is you have to get him off the spot. Have him try and make these throws on the run and lock down those big beasts outside the numbers and try and mitigate Welker. But the thing is, that's the way to beat him. That is the way to beat him is you make him one dimensional, take away the run if you can, get him off the spot if you can, even though he's seeing where the defense is coming from. It's amazing. Okay. And then beat up the big guys on on the edges. And and take away Welker if but you can. But when you blitz him, then Welker's just standing there over the middle. It's like, that's the issue here. But he's got what, every answer. What team can do that? What know. team can do that? How about the Seattle Seahawks? How about them? They get Bruce Irvin oh, yeah. back this week. I didn't, I didn't ask that of the coach. 
Well, hold on a minute. The Chiefs. Wait a minute on the Chiefs. All right. Hang on a minute they on them. twice, though. I know they do. I know they do. And we'll talk about that with Stone Street yeah. in, in a few. But you got those big Legion of Boom avatar beasts out there, right? Sure. Bruce Browner, coming back. Sherman, Irvin's coming back. Your Earl Thomas out back. Maybe those guys can take care of the receivers. The hunters up front can get Manning off the spot. And going point for point, maybe Russell Wilson gets Percy Harvin back. I don't know just yet. Let's not wrap this thing up well, for Denver just yet, just four weeks either. in. Look at their opponents. Their opponents' win-loss record is 4-12. and 12. Well, they do play New England. They do go to Indianapolis. Talk about how great is that going to be. It's also going to be Von Miller's first game back. That's a week seven yeah. Sunday nighter for Albino and Chris Collinsworth to call for you. It's, it's fascinating right now. And and four and New Orleans, that's a wrap. Man, they look great. In the NFC they South, they look great. That's over. That's a division you can call right now. Really? I don't, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And the way it's Tampa's, going, it, Tampa's finished. They're done. Atlanta okay. may not make the playoffs either now. Well, Atlanta, if Atlanta winds up an eleven win team, okay, let's give them eleven wins. And that's that's, that's ten and two down the stretch. That's ten and that's ten and three down the stretch. Ten, ten, they're, they're one and three. No, they're, they're one and three. three. Ten, yeah. Yeah. Two. ten and two. 10-2 and two down the stretch. That wow. means they have to win 10 of their last 12 to get 11 wins. They have to win 9 of their last 12 to get 10. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. We they do win. play the Jets at home this week, and as we mentioned off the top, Geno Smith away from New Jersey is just – it's it, it he's, he is no better than Mark Sanchez but in terms of protecting the Jets football. Jets fans would have taken 2-2 two and two if you told Oh, there's after, no doubt about that. that. There's no doubt about that. It's certainly better than the Giants. <laughs> you want to talk about what's going on in the New York, New Jersey area. But the Saints are 4 0. That's over. I mean, that's over. Do you think Carolina yeah. is going to win 10, 11 games? No. I mean, New my... Orleans is 4 0, man. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're hitting people in the mouth. They can't run the ball, though. They, that's have a problem. they have 108 points through four games, and they've given up only 55. That margin of difference of 53 is way up there in terms of the National Football League. Way up there. And I'm just thinking about the NFC playoff picture because, I mean, one of those teams, either Green Bay, Detroit, Chicago, San Francisco, Seattle, Atlanta is going to be out. Well, Chicago hosts New Orleans this week in a fascinating game because the Bears didn't look, look. Well, Cutler went reverted back to yeah. the, the bad Cutler. Yep. You know, I'm shocked at the Lions. I didn't think well, they, Reggie Bush is the difference maker. They're popping 100. That's the, I, I, that's I didn't it. think they would be to be this good. And wow, defensively, man, defensively well, well, too. Since, since we're talking all these games now, should we should we just quickly get into what the picture? No, no, for, we for got we got Cal Ripken Jr. waiting. Okay, okay. We have Cal Ripken Jr. waiting for crying out loud. And, you know, <laughs> thought the Iron Man. You know, could no. We got him. We we've got we've got a lot to talk about, man. I mean, you take a look at these these numbers here, and you've got the the five the, the five four and zero teams. Denver goes to Dallas. Kansas City's on the road, um, taking on Tennessee this week. New Orleans is at Chicago. Seattle is at Indianapolis, and New England is at Cincinnati. Those are your four and zero teams. Look at that. None of them are at home. Every four and zero team goes on the road this week. That's a scary a scary game. For Every four and zero team goes the on the road this week. Right? Who's going to still be standing? Somebody's got to win on the road to stay standing. Yeah. Oh, 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 boy. And I bet it's going to be Denver. I just don't see anybody beating them right now. Me neither. How is Dallas going to beat this team? They have to play mistake-free football. And go toe-to-toe offensively. Think about it. Punch for Think punch. Think about it. Denver essentially stopped itself a handful of occasions in the first half. 
and still got a 50-burger, which, once again, boggles the mind how they got two special teams touchdowns from right. Trendon Holiday last playoffs and still lost at home. How did that happen? They got two against the Eagles. Unbelievable. And the Ravens uh, are 2-2 two and two also. The Ravens went into Buffalo last week, had an opportunity to win three in a row. They hadn't given up a touchdown since Peyton Manning abused them in week number one. And they, they, they did their usual thing, which is let your opponent hang around and mystifyingly not run the football in the second half. There, wasn't there an am- six runs in the second there half? There was an amazing stretch of like a quarter and a half where they didn't run the that football. That was Cam Cameron-esque. <laughs> if seriously, if that was Camp Cameron with making those calls, everyone would be flipping out <laughs> in Baltimore, Jim which I'm Paul sure Paul. doing anyway as they head down to Miami. So let's get on the horn right now to a Hall of Famer, but not from Canton, from Cooperstown. He is quite simply one of the greatest of all time. Uh, a Hall of Famer in the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. He will be part of the TBS baseball coverage in the booth. You will listen to him call the Pirates and the Reds wild card game on TBS and then move on uh, with the rest of the National League to Atlanta for the Dodgers and Braves. But he is also, for the purposes of this podcast, a sweet holder at M&T Bank Stadium, <laughs> a big-time Ravens fan, Cal Ripken Jr. on the Rich Eisen podcast. How are you, Cal? I'm doing very well. I hope you won't ask me to speak intelligently on the uh, on the Ravens' status this year. No, I have to, Cal. I have to get my son on the phone to help no, me out. No, here's the deal, Cal. I mean, I saw you on the field at the Super Bowl last year, mm-hmm. right, prior to that game, and you were there for that game, and you were the one who, who plugged – the sock, the the plug back into the socket to turn the lights back on for the Super Bowl. Correct. <laughs> That's right. I have uh, different roles, and uh, I was the one that unplugged it too at first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, so you, that was you, that was uh, spooky. And uh, talk about momentum shifts and changes. Uh, uh, somebody on the other side had to pull that plug. It wasn't the Ravens. Now, do you think in football there's more of a momentum shift quickly? than in baseball because you know we we talk all the time about the the speed of the sport and hitting actual physical nature of football and then in baseball a lot of people talk about how slow it is and how methodical it can be but there's momentum switches in that do you think there's more of a a a rapid momentum change in football as compared to baseball yeah i mean i haven't played football so i can't speak from personal experiences but yeah football is an emotional sport and baseball uh you work really hard to take some of those emotions out so you can relax and play. I mean, I remember Earl Weaver argued uh, all the time that there is no momentum in baseball um, because momentum can be stopped by the pitcher the very next day. But I would argue that there are certain cases where momentum really helps. If you look at the Orioles from last year and look at the Orioles from this year, mm-hmm. they won the one-run games last year and the extra inning games, and there was momentum that builds when you feel confident being in that situation at the end of the game. And this year they were one of the worst um, in the league at those one-run games, and it, and it defines whether you make the playoffs or not. So, yeah, we're trying to control our emotions in baseball, and I think you're trying to bring the emotion and bring the, emo, uh, the, the momentum in, in football. And, and, yeah, you could almost feel it by one big hit or one uh, big play um, by your quarterback. All of a sudden you go, uh-oh. And that's the feeling of the fans, and I'm sure that's what happens on the field. Yeah, and it's funny how you said that Earl Weaver used to argue all the time, and you mentioned about um, momentum. You could have just stopped your sentence right there, right? That Earl Weaver used to argue all the time, and you could have just hit, put, just put <laughs> yeah, a period right there. That would have been enough, and that would have created quite the uh, clear picture. <laughs> but you do, yeah. It's interesting how you see that you bring the emotion, 
And clearly Ray Lewis did that in Baltimore for a decade and a half. And now everyone's wondering how they're going to fill that void. And we saw a little bit maybe of that in, the, in their loss to the Buffalo Bills just this past week. Your relationship with Ray Lewis, when did you first meet him, Baltimore icon to Baltimore icon? Cal. Well, uh, you know, we're actually technically neighbors. I'm looking out uh, my window right now, and I could see uh, his place here. <laughs> uh, right? Now, now it's three, or f- it's three farms over, but uh, it's not okay. your normal normal neighborhood. But no, I got a chance to meet him. Um, didn't get to know him really, really well. But uh, you're right. I guess he got into a little bit of a controversy talking about a void in leadership. Uh, you know, with with uh, with the Ravens and who's going to pick that up. I didn't hear his exact quotes. But uh, I think that's what everyone is real is really thinking is that when you have the leader like uh, Ray Lewis and the presence that he he puts forth all the way through the team and all it connects it to the fans, there naturally is going to be a different feeling in that locker room. But uh, Joe Flacco certainly has uh, become more of a uh, a leader by his examples on the field and uh, and and him out there. And I think the confidence of the offense and the confidence uh, that that the team feels when he's out there that's evident. But I don't know who's going to take that more boisterous position. In baseball, I would say that you know the manager of the baseball team plays that role. Um, um, and occasionally, because the nature of the game is, uh, it almost feels like you don't need a captain. Uh, there's individual things that happen, and uh, there's, it's such a controlling game by the, the manager and the coaches that you're not really relying on that team general out there. But in football, I think it's, uh, it's, it's totally different. And confidence... Um, in baseball, I think, can be born in the batting cages and in the practice sessions, and then it goes and translates to the field. I think in football, the confidence, you know, is, uh, is many times what you believe. And Ray Lewis could get uh, the Ravens guys to believe anything that, uh, that he wanted them to, and he was very good at articulating that message. Yeah, and John Harbaugh, the coach, a lot of people are saying he's got to be the one to fill that void right now, that this is his team, and he's the one. Um, that needs to go ahead and do that, and clearly, you know, obviously, he's got the pedigree to do that, being the you know the Har- from the Harbaugh family. Uh, do you do you know Coach Harbaugh well? I assume you've met him a couple of times. Yeah, we're about the same uh, type of golfer, uh, where we uh, we can look like we know what we're doing for a few holes, and then doesn't look good ah. after a while. Yeah, I've had a chance to know him and meet him a little bit. Uh, he is a very strong leader. You know, I, people compare their styles with his brother. You know, his brother's more uh, outgoing and emotional, but I think John is very emotional and, uh, and very outgoing, and uh, he has the respect of, uh, of all the players. But I see your point, is that uh, maybe he needs to step forward in a bigger role, a bigger presence. Um, but his style is, is to, uh, to develop players and let them do their jobs and kind of uh, coach a little bit more behind the scenes. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe you'll see him step uh, out a little bit, because he has that in him. I've seen it. What do the Ravens mean to that town? Well, um, we're a great sports town here in Baltimore, and there for a while, um, baseball was the dominant force here in Baltimore, especially when the Colts left town. You know, uh, and when the Ravens came in, uh, this is uh, in many ways um, almost a Ravens town. You know, people get excited about uh, that now. In recent years, the Orioles have come back, and the fans seem to be coming back uh, for the for the Orioles. But uh, the Ravens' fever and uh, uh, the support that they've given. You know, I feel bad uh, when I get a chance, uh, when I have to miss a game. You know, uh, the Orioles games, I still, still think I have front row seats for 162 games, but it's, <laughs> I'm not down there very often. But uh, I won't miss a, uh, a Ravens game. It's, uh, it's one of eight. Uh, it's eight games in the season, and, and the support from this area, 
especially you know when, when you felt it last year. And being in New Orleans, um, I think a lot of people from Baltimore came down there knowing they couldn't get tickets. They just wanted to be in the city, which I saw a bunch of them out uh, out and about. So the support is uh, is rabid here. Uh, we love our Ravens. Yeah, I know, and they would have liked to have opened at home this year, Cal. It's a little bit. Yeah, of, that uh, was uh, that was a funny thing, wasn't it? <laughs> or a strange thing, or yes. um, God, we felt uh, it would have been great to be able to, to to have that celebration. Even watching it uh, on TV, there was part celebration here in Baltimore, mm-hmm. then you had to go out to um, to face uh, Denver. But hey, at least the O's I think beat the White Sox that day, three to one. So at least they got <laughs> <laughs> at least at least I, they they I won that big a, one. That's a little sarcasm. Well, you know. <laughs> Well, you know, Cal, all of us with the and I spent so many years covering baseball. You know, I, I was uh, I was there for your big home run in the All Star Game in Seattle, and that was as seminal a sports moment I've ever witnessed in my life. But now that I'm a football guy, you know, we feel like that we should have the right of way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't. I didn't even know what all the issues were, and I know that uh, in some ways it was trying to be worked out, and then it was uh, very disappointing that it couldn't be. So um, yeah, I know. Absent all the details. Uh, I was more of a football guy at that moment too. Yeah, I know. So, how? Uh, what? What? Talk to me about what uh, a football Sunday when you go to the games. You bring family. You bring friends. What? What is a football Sunday like for you? Well, our, our box is not a, a wild party box, if that's what you're asking me. No. <laughs> um, and it doesn't start with tailgating out there. But we we like to get down there pretty early. Right. Okay. And, uh, settle in, and sometimes. Uh, um, I'll get a chance to walk down the field and see uh, see the athletes up close. I think the football players are the most phenomenal physical athletes. I know there's been an argument uh, about basketball players and and about, but the guys that I've had over here at my gym playing basketball uh, from the Ravens are the most explosive athletes I've ever seen. Guys, the guys have 40, 40 inch vertical leaps. Um, they are strong and fast, no body fat. Mm-hmm. The things that they can do. Being down in the field, kind of seeing the precision um, that, that, that they play the game and, and just the athleticism is uh, is marvelous. So, so I'll go down the field and see that for a little while. And and mostly it's just family and a few friends. That's awesome. And, and uh, we sit there and, and uh, watch the game, and then we want to hang around afterwards a little bit. And Bashadi's the best. I mean, in terms of just a guy who cares and a guy who's into it and a guy who who just bleeds the city, and he's just so part of the fabric. that he, he, He's one of the best owners in the NFL. I, I'm sure you agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I had a chance to – he helped me out personally in a business sense. Uh, you know, when I got out – Is that right? He sat on an advisory board and, uh, you know, pushed me in the right direction. So I owe him a lot for his interest there. But uh, you're right. He's a very successful guy, a uh, very good person, um, and a very good leader of people. Um, but he lives and uh, dies – um, what happens on the football field, and uh, his emotions are, or uh, he tries to keep them under under wraps, but every once in a while he can't. But uh, yeah, he's a great owner, great guy. Drop some names. Who's coming to your gym before I let you before we talk a little baseball and let you <laughs> let you go? Who's who, uh, well, names? Chris McAllister broke my rib and before my last year. Is that so, right? Uh, let, let's throw him out there. Yeah, talk oh. about a physically gifted guy. Okay. Um, uh, Adelius Thomas has been out here. AD, um, AT, yeah, was, okay. Uh, and he, he attempted a 360 uh, dunk uh, when he wasn't even loose. He walked <laughs> out on the floor, kind of subbed in for a minute, and the All ball right. kicked loose, and he went, up, went down and threw it off the back of the rim on a 360. I like that. Very, so, very uh, good. Then I, I told him, I said, uh, those rims weren't made for, for that kind of power, so stay off of them. 
So, Cal, um, yeah, a lot of baseball players. I mean, th- I think the best yeah. baseball players have been played. Ryan Miner was a was a was a really good basketball player. Ben McDonald was a really good basketball player here. Do you enjoy calling games in the booth? Or- you know, um, I'm still very, very inexperienced, and uh, they threw me in there last year. Uh, pretty risky, I guess, when I think about it. Mm-hmm. But I went in the booth last year. But I like being in the stadium, and your commentary or um, can be relevant right here at this moment. In the studio stuff, I was just getting used to that. You're watching a lot of games, and then you have to reduce and summarize some of your comments, and they don't become relevant anymore. You know, at two o'clock in the morning. But uh, in the ballpark, <laughs> you feel like you're part of the. The fabric of the game, there's excitement. Uh, you have three hours in which to watch the game. And hopefully there are things that I can identify in the game that would help people understand the game a little bit better. That's my hope. And as I learn the terminologies and uh, the timings of when to say things and when not to, um, you know, that'll all get better. But, but uh, it's cool being in there, watching a baseball game and talking about it. Do you pick up uh, the phone and, like, call John Miller or somebody like that? Do you give it <laughs> from back in the day? Um, you know, yeah, I guess I could, but I'm not. Uh, my role is an analyst. So who do I need to talk to about uh, being a color analyst? No, I don't. Hey, no, hold on a minute. He told me something very important, John Miller. Okay. I because I picked his brain because I called about eight baseball games for ESPN back in the day, and I said but, to but him, "Isn't that a different skill, though? You're polished. You're uh, you're on TV. You know um, all the ins and outs. Well, uh, maybe you make, you make maybe. it uh, uh, smooth. You make it uh, good for the listener. We just provide." Some of the uh, some of the analytics, but there are times though when you're in the midst of a story, right? Or you're talking about something, and the play happens, right? Where you say that you're talking about getting in and out, and the and the keys about getting in and out, and how 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 to do something like that. And right. sometimes, so I asked John, I'm like, what if I'm telling a story, and then suddenly the 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 ball hits the bag, or something happens where somebody. Um, uh, you know, where, where I'm in the midst of a story and somebody hits the ball and I didn't expect them to, even though the pitch is coming. I just said, what do I do if something happens in the middle of a story? And he said, it's like you're talking to your friends. And what if you were talking to your friends and the most beautiful woman in the world walked in the door? Wouldn't you stop telling your story? And your <laughs> friends totally understand. So it's the same thing. And I'm yeah. like, huh. Instinctively, I, I just stop telling the story and let uh, Ernie take over. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's that's good too. Yeah, you just rely on Ernie Johnson. He, he's and, one and of the Ernie, best. Ernie Johnson. I tell you, Ron Ron Darling is a real polished uh, uh, broadcaster and analyst. So uh, you're in good hands. Step back and let them let them go. Let what them do you think is going to happen here? Who do you think is going to win the World Series, Cal? You know, um, it's got to be the same predicting football games as it is predicting baseball games. Every team has the ability to win. Uh, they wouldn't be here, and and even. At the end of the year, when uh, teams are fighting for their playoff lives and are playing the last place team, a last place team can, in any short series, take them two out of three. Um, so it's almost uh, crazy. I do, I do like uh, the Texas story right now. You know, Texas, uh, you know, limping to the finish line, then all of a sudden they find it and uh, start to win because because when you're playing good baseball and hot baseball right at the right time, that can carry you pretty deep into the playoffs. Um, I generally like looking at the power staffs on the team. Detroit's got uh, a nice starting staff with power. Uh, the Dodgers, uh, what combination of Kershaw and Greinke, um, what other conversa- uh, combinations are out there like that. So I kind of like the Dodgers for the basis of those two guys, and I like the uh, the Tigers uh, for, for Scherzer. And I know Verlander hasn't been his nasty, nasty self, but he can be, and he started to, to strike out people towards the end. So. I like those two teams. What do you think's going through Derek Jeter's mind right now, Cal? Mm, 
Um, yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, he, uh, he he tried to come back, and and his career has been um, so stable and so steady, and he's been a winner. But that uh, I often wondered, you know, what he felt like uh, a bad year for him was losing out in the first round of the playoffs. He was in the playoffs every year, so now he's really facing some career decisions. He's uh, he's facing. Uh, you know, even the team team not being as good, uh, there's some doubts there. But uh, um, I, I think it's uh, it's all about him getting healthy, so we can make some good decisions. And uh, I know that when you have a full rehab uh, uh, winter and you're able to go into spring training with uh, everything intact, then you can make some strong decisions. I think there's a lot of doubt in his mind right now. Cal, uh, two more questions for you. First one: um, Jason Worth wants you to be the Nationals manager. What'd you is think he, of that? Is he making that decision? I don't think he's now in management. I don't. I think he might have popped himself further up the float chart than he currently is. But what would you? What, what do you think about that idea? Well, I mean, it's kind of funny where I sit. Um, I have said that uh, at some point I'd like to come back to baseball, and then most recently, I said that I'm starting to get an itch um, to do that. But uh, um, I'd have to look hard at, at any opportunity, and, and so far I haven't been asked to do anything. So uh, uh, it's very flattering that people think of me that way. And um, I have thought about uh, how, how cool it would be to manage because, and even Donnie Mattingly got me thinking about this a little bit more. He said, there's nothing like being a player. Um, and coaching is pretty good because you help other people uh, do what it is that they do. But managing is the closest thing to being a player. And I've always thought, I've always thought that uh, – anyway internally and now i'm starting to think about that a little bit more so so far i got nothing new to report but uh okay. that that's been the consistency that uh, i made those statements that i am and i am getting a feeling that uh maybe i'd like to get back in okay very good excellent well last question do you have a prediction for the ravens this season i know you say your son is more the expert but I'll yeah god i have to call him real quick and get right back to you um no we we uh we know we made a lot of changes and uh and and we understand the direction of those changes here and we have trust in uh ozzy because uh he is the wizard yes um at, at making uh moves and decisions and we expect them to be good uh it was a tough loss uh to buffalo but uh it's early in the season They'll get better as the year goes on. Okay. And, and Ozzy and John and uh, Flacco you trust, essentially, Cal. Exactly right. We all do here. Hey, Cal, you're you're the best. I, this is an honor to have you on this podcast. You're the first baseball player I think anybody's had in the history of the NFL Network do anything. Well, did I, fake, did I fake the football talk at least reasonably well? Well, Cal, I mean, you 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 did the position switch late in your career with aplomb, and I think you did that just fine right here, too. <laughs> You're used well, to that. You're I used to that sort of much. position change. So thank you, Cal, and I look forward to having you back on. Okay. I'm you glad bet. to do it. That is Cal Ripken Jr. here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Cal Ripken Jr. That's right. a name that, that that's a name that you just know who he is, you know what his sport is, you know what he stands for. Gosh darn it. Got to see him play Love one time. That guy. One time at Camden Yards growing up. Awesome. Cal Ripken Jr. Getting ready for baseball playoffs that is sadly Yankee-less. You like your Red Sox? Oh, sadly Yankee-less. Sadly huh? Yankee-less. Oh, yeah, wow. You like your Red Sox? You like them? I do. I do. Who are they taking on this now? They're taking on Tampa? Uh, no. Huge fan he is. Huge fan. Look, I'm, I'm locked in. Indians? I'm locked in. <laughs> you, 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 no. No, not yet. Not You're not taking on Detroit. No. I, I, I honestly don't. I know it starts Friday. 
I'm just, I'm just. You I'm, are locked in. I'm huh? locked in. I'm, lo- I'm locked in NFL right now. Jeez. And like I said, we were just talking about Denver. Yes, they've scored a uh, league high twenty three touchdowns. Twenty three touchdowns. The next closest team has fifteen. Can you name that team? Hmm. Oh yeah, I got it. The Is- Eagles. No sir. No sir. Eagles I, have eleven touchdowns. Here's here's where I'm gonna go. The other team with fifteen touchdowns. With fifteen touchdowns. I'm gonna go. It's gotta be New Orleans. Yeah, that would be the second guess. New Orleans has twelve touchdowns. Detroit. Detroit has fourteen touchdowns. Col- Colts. Bears. Bears. Fifteen touchdowns. Oh, uh, they got a few on uh, the other side of the football. Yeah, they have a few defensive touchdowns. Twenty-three touchdowns through four games. That is tough to stop, man. That's the way, by the way, to make up for Novon Miller. He scored 23 <laughs> touchdowns in the first four games that he's out. And and after Dallas, it's Jacksonville. Now, I know we're not supposed to say the V word in the National Football League. That that, that V word of that that uh, that city that's in a state that borders the oh, yeah. uh, state of California. I don't California. know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. But well, apparently there are some people in that place with the V. That are thinking when the Denver plays Jacksonville, that um, that one team needs a considerable amount of help to win that game. Needs Marshall Falk's number. <laughs> needs Marshall Falk's number. That's, that's kind of what I'm hearing. That's they're hanging that in the V town right now. Uh, real quick, back to Cal. Did he break some news? Is he maybe going to be? He didn't. Maybe Get the Nationals. The, here's here's what Next we need. Coach? Here's what we need. We need to have this podcast break news in baseball on MLB get Network. That, that would be no, get that get that get 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 it to uh, the Baltimore Carl, newspapers Carl Ravage. or or the Washington Post. All right, we'll send it along. Yeah, the Nats Carl, blog would be all over that. Oh, come on, yeah, get that out there. I, I mean, want to see in a baseball story as <laughs> Cal Ripken said on the Rich Eisen podcast. Please, <laughs> I thought he was pretty candid make about that. Happen. He sounds I know. like a guy that wants he to be wants the next to be, coach. I know. Pretty cool what Madden Apparently his kids too. are his kids are his kids are gone, empty nester. Yeah. When when all my children are gone, I'm gonna want to manage, manage a team. <laughs> yeah. I can't manage anything right now. No, you're gonna be teaching Seriously, Don, Don I cannot speed manage academy. a thing right now. It's amazing that I'm able to manage a broadcast <laughs> once, not only just once, but twice a week. And this podcast, seriously. Are they just crawling you have all no over idea you? the screaming that's going on in my temples. Oh wow. 24-7, You're wearing your inner ears at home. You're just. <laughs> you have no idea. You guys have no clue. None. What? What? Uh, what? Absolutely. Uh, no, absolutely. I'm, uh, seriously. It was. I'm, a, it was a struggle to get out of bed at nine thirty this morning. Oh Rich. Lord Almighty! Uh, while we're talking, uh, Albert Breer is reporting that uh, Locker's slated to miss three games. So those three games for the Tennessee Titans. Let's check out what those three games are because the Titans are in this mix, Poppy. That's another Poppy I've used. They're in this mix. Tennessee is at Seattle Week Six. So. Ryan Fitzpatrick going to see <laughs> the Amish rifle. Oh my the lord! The Amish rifle. Oh, they'll be highly caffeinated in Seattle Fitz for that one. Magic. Uh, so that's week five. It'll be Fitz Magic against Kansas City, and then the Amish rifle takes his team all the way to the Pacific Northwest for the full-throated twelfth man to take care of business. And then week seven, Tennessee is uh, home for San Francisco. Oh, so Jake, wow. picked, Jake picked <laughs> three in a row, three quality games to get his hit ball blown out. Wow. So week eight, does that mean there's a time Tennessee buy? Right. So week nine, uh, a, a Jake Locker attorneys at St. Louis. Ryan Fitzpatrick's probably like, thanks, bud. Hannah Reigns to me to take on 4-0, 4-0, and 2-2. Two and two. San Francisco, which... I know this is sort of old news right now. Got righted the ship in St. Louis. 
in yeah, in um in in week number four. Was anything really wrong with San Francisco or... Yes. They, oh, absolutely. You think so? No doubt. They got punked at home by Indianapolis. They got hit in the mouth. They couldn't run the football and they didn't want to run the football. They got away from what they wanted to get away from. And they had a young kid who'd never been through that adversity before. And how is he going to handle it? And the coach who'd never lost two in a row, how is he going to handle it? Absolutely. That was dire straits for them last week. And they got back to basics. Hand the ball to Frank Gore. And I did say on halftime the word Al Gore for half of... Uh, Frank Gore yeah, got couple, blown up on Twitter people. for that. Well, I mean, you nicked him the inconvenient truth. So there's there Dude, is like a what have I just said? That's this a is fine not, slip. By the way, I had no idea I was going to bring this up. Yeah. What did I just say to you? What's shrieking in my head right now? <laughs> if I drop an uh, Frank Gore, yeah. I, it's, oh man, and I just cares? knew it. I mean, it's halftime. Oh, trolls come out. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this, because you're on the ground there for Thursday Night Football, and look, I know it's our brand and we do it. Do you? Is there a discernible difference, and should teams that play on Thursday Night Football be coming off no, a bye? Oh, man. I think, listen, I think that, that there should be a bye week before. I, I do, too. Get a week before, but what are you going to do if this week, too, someone's going to take a bye right. week number one? And they've tried two bye weeks before, and it didn't work. Nobody liked it. No? Nobody liked it. I, I, I think you would see fresher players, yes. But that said, if if we got on Thursday night what ESPN got on Monday night from Miami, yeah, people be oh, there's Thursday night football. You know, I I follow a bunch of people who cover the NFL, and and there are some times when I'm like, you know what, the NFL puts a roof over your head, so let's 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 take a little bit of a break. But they also have a job to do. Yeah, they have a job to do. So fine. That said. You know, boy, this game looks ugly on a Monday night, or this game looks ugly on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday night. That happens on Thursday. It's like oh, they shouldn't be playing on Thursdays. I mean, look, there were still forty-six points. Come scored, on, man! And the Niners. Frank put up a ton Gore of offense, went from but, Frank Gore yeah. went two time zones away and hit somebody in the mouth continuously. End of story. And the home team, the home team looked like it was asleep from start to finish. I don't want to hear it about Thursday night football. Certainly, when we're going to Cleveland for the Bills and Browns, and the winner goes to three and two. At top. 8 p.m. Eastern for pre-kick. Mother <laughs> Wow, we're fired up today. I love oh, it. I God. love it. What am I doing? What are you doing? I love it. I'm working on fumes. <laughs> that sounds like let's... a man with three kids, and one of them is a month and a half old. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, let's get to Eric Stone Street. His Chiefs are 4-0. He's on the phone? Yes. Fantastic. Pleased to have back on the Rich Eisen podcast, the Emmy Award-winning actor from the Emmy Award-winning comedy Modern Family that is on Wednesday nights on ABC at 9 Eastern, 8 Central Time. He is ecstatic because his Kansas City Chiefs have come out of the shoot 4-0 with Andy Reid in charge. Eric Stone Street returns to the program. How are you, Eric? I- I'm happy. I'm wearing my I'm wearing my Chiefs hat, my Chiefs jersey, my Chiefs underwear, my Chiefs socks, <laughs> my Chiefs shoes. And you haven't every, you, you haven't changed them for four weeks, correct? You've, no, you, no. This is my this is my look for the season. I've told everybody in Modern Family, it's like, look, you know, we're we're in. This is this is my wardrobe now. So we got to ride around this. We have to ride around this. This is better than you expected, correct? Oh my gosh! Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's always turnarounds. You know, in the in the league, you know, there's always a burst of energy. Like you know, when when there's interim coaches or when there's a new coach, you expect something, but. You know, nothing like this. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm still, listen, my Chiefs have taught me a lot. I don't know if you're familiar with a, our playoff record. I am. 
but our chiefs have taught me a lot to sort of manage expectations. So I'm cautiously optimistic, but very, very ecstatic and, uh, you know, happy for the team, happy for the city. There, there's no city that deserves a winning team more than Kansas City. Uh, I'm sure a lot are equal, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still a Kansas City chief, and I know that my team likes to uh, win, win big so we can lose bigger. <laughs> so you're looking for the trap door still at 4-0. Well, and, and listen, we beat the Eagles, we beat the Cowboys, two, I think, two good teams. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know how good the Giants are. They're a professional football organization, obviously, so they're good. And, and, right. and Manning's a great quarterback. But, you know, I think there's still people out there. I mean, I, I, I read some stuff yesterday. It's like the story seemed to be how bad the Giants were and still not how good the Chiefs are, which I get. And that's going to take some time for the sort of the media to determine uh, that it's, it's a story about, you know, the Chiefs being good and not the other teams falling and be, being bad. Well, you, you've got a quarterback that just seems to win. It just There's nothing flashy. A lot of people are concerned that he either doesn't have the arm strength or the eyesight to reach or see further than 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. But he hey. wins. I mean, that's it. That's what yeah, Alex Smith I mean, does. We'll take those, we'll take those chippy plays down, down the field. I mean, you know, what, what was his longest pass yesterday? Like 20-some yards was the... Uh... 20-some yards, but we'll take those 7, 9, 15-yard passes to the flat and to uh, on the slant. I love the little quick hits that, that we got going on. We got nice speed on the outside. We got to get Dwayne Bowe. Obviously, I, told, I emailed you, and I'm like, I don't know why Bowe's not more in the game, but I was happy to see him have that touchdown yesterday late in the game. And that's, you know, that as a Chiefs fan yesterday was like what I was most excited about, which was like we have the lead and we're not bringing in running back by committee and trying to run just run the ball out and potentially fumble and lose a game like we lost in the 90s with under under Marty Schottenheimer, who I like. But, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we were, like, you know, throwing the, still throwing the ball. And, uh, of course, that bit Houston on the, on the butt yesterday. How about that? That was, uh, I, I, that was one of the worst play calls that I've seen in recent memory. You know, I, I, are you a Breaking Bad a Breaking Bad fan? Did you watch the? Yeah, finale? I watched okay. it. Okay, yeah. so the line the line where Walter White said uh, to uh, to the Gray Matter owner, his longtime friend, when he's holding a knife, and he's like, "If you if you're going to go that way, you better bring a bigger knife." Yeah, and that was my thought with Matt Schaub. If you're going to go that way, if you're not going to use your running backs like Arian Foster is running for 100 yards, if you're going to go that way, you better bring. A better knife. Well, and against was wasn't it uh, arguably one of the best defense backs in the in the league? Like Richard Sherman. Like, yes, Richard, let's... Richard Sherman. It was a throw at Richard Sherman. It's like, are you kidding me? And then I saw, I heard on Monday morning that that Richard Sherman and the Seattle Seahawks had practiced that exact play, the same exact way that Schaub was running it. So he saw it developing. He knew what he had to do. He was practiced, and all he had to do was execute, which you know he's going to do. I could not believe. Oh my God! That the Texans did that. I could not believe that. So, so you got. So at least that just shows you also how how quickly things can turn. And at four zero though, you've got the Titans who don't have their starting quarterback. You've got the Titans this week. You're in Tennessee. It's it's going to be uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Harvard man at quarterback. Then you're home well, for the Ra- Raiders, and then you have the Texans and the Browns. You've got three in a row at home. So yeah, things are looking about, good. I'm excited about. I, we are we are we are looking good. I mean, the the looming thing on our schedule is uh, a guy by the name of Peyton Manning. <laughs> 
you know, we unfortunately have to play twice, unlike uh, other teams and uh, other teams in the league. I mean, he is—he's on fire. I mean, this is—I mean, uh, it's, it's the greatest performance thus far of, of any quarterback ever. I'm assuming. I mean, no—he's on track to score, throw what 80 touchdowns. I have and no, idea. and no interceptions. 77 touchdowns, no interceptions. That's his pace right now. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. I mean, that's, that's not fair. That's that's like literally like all-time quarterback playground stuff. You know, the senior in high school playing against fourth graders. That's it's it's, un, it's unbelievable. You know, here's what I love about the Kansas City Chiefs, though. And and as a, as a longtime fan, and and I and I emailed you this too. It's like it's very Derek Thomas Neil Smith Neil Smith esque on the end. I mean, Kansas City. I, I mean, just it. The memories of defense in Kansas City is Derek Thomas coming on the outside, swatting the arm of the quarterback, fumble, recovering the fumble. I mean, what I'm loving about this team is how it's 12 guys tackle, and we have that swarming defense where we have those that that end pressure coming on on both sides that allows you know either Tom Bali to go free or Justin Houston to go free. Uh, I just I love the defense right now. I'm 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 very and then our rookie yesterday stepped up big time. Uh, Cummings is it and uh, just had a great game, man. I mean I I was I was excited. We need to work on our turnovers. Through you know two interceptions, lost a fumble. That's that's not Kansas City Chief football. But otherwise, man, I was. Well, uh, and you've got a bandit of the first variety in Eric Berry standing back there too. I mean he's I know it. the real I, deal. He is the real deal, and uh, I'm just. There's a lot to be excited about. I mean, Jamal Charles is just like so. <laughs> you're fired up. Whew. I love it. You are fired up because again, you're right though. You're 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 pointing out the right things here, which is great start. Everything's moving forward. The pieces are in place, but then there's the sheriff looming on the horizon, playing at an absurd level. I mean, you've got to figure there's no way he goes 16-0, just in that mindset at all. And that way you might, if you keep winning, you might, I don't know, I, I don't, do you see if you foresee a way you win this division? or, or Well, just listen, a- I mean, yeah. I mean, the good, the good news is Peyton Manning has to play other teams, too. I mean, it, it's not all dependent on us. I mean, it's a pretty simplified situation, but, I mean, we, we, we do have – you know, other teams to help us out. And, you know, the Cowboys roll in, you know, if, uh, have they played the Cowboys yet? They play at Dallas this coming week. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a dangerous game. I mean, those, those guys that, that could, that, that could help us. They have some tough teams to play. Um, so, but yeah, they have to I go. here's the ones that, 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 that definitely leap out that they can get got. Let's put it that way. Uh, they're at Indianapolis which is going to be fascinating where he goes back to the, where he once belonged. The crowd's going to go nuts. Luck How does with the it. NFL do this every year? That where we, Isn't that we great? These, it's so great. It's such, I mean, Andy Reid going to Philly like that the first year, the first time a head yep. coach has ever done that. And then, uh, what was it this weekend? There was a there's a there's a great matchup. Uh, I can't remember, but now now Peyton's going to Indy. Yes, yeah, I know. It's Reed. It's think about it. Of all the times for Andy Reed, he's like he's settling all family business on the steps at yeah. the it's, you know. It's, 
Did you hear yesterday the referee uh, said Philadelphia will not be charged with the timeout? Did you hear that referee <laughs> no. say that? For Andy Reid, I did not hear that, <laughs> yeah. really? You know, we challenged the call, and then uh, the referee's like, Philadelphia will not have Kansas City will not be charged Love timeout. it. I did not hear that. But we did notice, though, that Reid got the challenge right, and all the Eagles fans who were watching the games with us from our staff were like, now we know it's all going great for Andy Reid. Because he would frequently he, – he is one of the kings of – we are sitting at home. We have seen the replay. It is conclusive. There is no way he th- should throw the challenge flag, and then you see Reed just take it out of his pocket and flip it on the ground. He's oh, the king. Man. He is the king of that, and it's That's all hilarious. working now. Now he's challenging. Things are working out. He's managing the clock. He's winning games. They're not turning the ball over. It's unbelievable. I know it. Have you seen the character that I'm doing for these AT&T yes. commercials? I mean, I have to be in that character and meet Andy Reid. Like, as, <laughs> I, I have to, I have to talk to Andy Reid as that guy. Like, I mean, I feel like he's going to think I'm messing with him or something. But what you know, what I love about having Andy Reid as 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 the head coach of Kansas City Chiefs, honestly, other than bringing my organization back to to a heyday, is that I have an all time permanent Halloween costume. For <laughs> You've like, got it. You've got to get the laminate, right? You have got yeah. to get the play call sheet. I need, I, yeah, I need a headset. Yep. A Chiefs windbreaker. Mm-hmm. A mustache, pair of glasses, <laughs> a hat, and I am I'm set for Halloween. I never have to think about a Halloween costume ever again. And the and the uh, the belt on which yeah. Oh, yeah. The, you know you got to have the belt, which is sort of like a fanny pack looking thing. You got to have that. But how can I not see your character? Not only is it all over the place, but on college game day. There's huge Eric Stone Street heads being held up behind Chris Fowler on ESPN. You're everywhere. I'm everywhere. Uh, You know, I think I'm going to go to the uh, Chargers-Chiefs game in Kansas City. I think that's the game I'm going to try to be at. Okay. But it's – listen, man. Yeah, that's – How can you not be excited about the Chiefs? Yeah, that looks like that's uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving. Yes. Yes, against the Chargers, and then and then you're home against the Broncos the very next week. That's a I big stretch. Are, are we on your schedule at all? Uh, you just played in Philadelphia. Oh you yeah, were, Philadelphia. yeah, yeah. I know, and it worked out well for you. Yeah, that's a big stretch for you, Eric. You're at the Broncos, home for the Chargers, at, and then home for the Broncos, and then at the Redskins, as well, as Andy Reid tries to finish all family business being settled. Well, I, you know, I, I like our defense against Philip Rivers. I'll take our defense against Philip Rivers. I'm not a, I'm not a giant believer in the old Philip Rivers. So I'll, I'll, I'll take my defense against. We will sh- shake, rattle, and roll him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you for so. What do you just uh, crystal ball it for me to wrap it up here? You got what do you, you, you think your double three. digit wins right? Twelve, oh, maybe yeah. even thirteen and three. Thirteen and three. Look at you. I mean, isn't it amazing how quickly things change in the NFL, Eric? Yeah, I mean, what, what, what our last great season was 10 and – what were we uh, in – Yeah, it was in 2010 was when – Herm 20, was, was it Herm who took – no, it was uh, – who took you to the playoffs? 10 was, and 6. Yeah, 10 and 6. That's right. You were 10 and 6. You made it to the playoffs. And, and then we go 7 and 9, 2 and 14. Man, oh, man. Uh, so Modern Family is on Wednesday nights. Uh, I'm excited for this. Uh, you got? Can you give me any tips, any hints about what we're going to see later well, on? Well, you're going to, you know, Cam has uh, 
lost his job due to budget cuts as the music teacher in the middle school, so he starts substitute teaching and realizes in last week's episode he's no good at history. So I become the freshman football coach, which is a oh. personal, personal thing for me because of my love for football. Yeah. But uh, Cam becomes the freshman football coach in, uh, in an episode. This is down the road a little bit, but you'll love this. I'm re- I really want to become the winningest freshman football coach in the history of the school, which was three, which is three wins. <laughs> Except for when the other team shows up, they're all wearing black armbands, and I'm like, "What are the black armbands for?" And then find out their coach died the day before, so they're playing for his his honor. So I'm going against a team of. Of middle school kids playing for their coach's honor, trying to uh, trying to be the winningest coach ever. Oh man, that just hit me too. That Ty Burrell, did you did you give him grief for beating Chip Kelly in 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 the prof- in the professional ranks as well? Did you no, give him? Oh, I don't have any trash talking to do over Ty because Oregon spanked us last year in the Fiesta Bowl, so I just have to be quiet about that. But I will I will say that I am happy Chip Kelly is getting a little dose of reality. Like I, you know. That whole Alabama can beat a pro football team. Chip Kelly's going to reinvent the NFL. That kind of stuff makes me angry. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that Chip Kelly's. You know, we ran more plays against Philadelphia than Chip Kelly ran against Kansas City Chiefs statisticians. Uh, our offense was clicking at, at a higher pace than his offense because they didn't know what to do because of our swarming defense. But whatever. But I'm glad he's getting a little dose of uh, reality here with uh, big time, big time athletes. Yeah, 52 points, Chip Kelly. I mean that that looked like uh, what he would he would give the business to on a on a regular Saturday to some of these yeah. teams. You know, and if you've seen you've seen Ty Burrell's uh, rant writer right on Fun or Die, you seen His that? What? Oh the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the the rant writer. Yes, man. Oh, man, that is the best. He had, he is a funny, funny guy, and so are you, yeah. Eric. And your show is fantastic. I couldn't be happier that it's back, and that you're gonna be, so you're excited. Gonna be, you can be the freshman football coach. <laughs> Enjoy that. That's gonna be but, great. Uh, I'll be checking in with you and uh, please and through through the season and and, and staying staying in touch. With, please uh, do that. With, please do that. With this rise to the top, from the, the bottom now we hit. You had four and zero from the bottom now we got the whole thing. Whatever, I don't know. I'm terrible, Drake. Eric, thanks for calling in, man. All right, man. Be good. You bet. That's Eric Stone Street. <laughs> His Chiefs are four and zero here on the Rich Eisen podcast. Love that guy. Love Eric Stone Street. I hope uh, he does keep in touch throughout the regular season because he's locked in. He knows exactly what's going on. Yeah. He's one of the few guys or gals in this town doing what they do for a living who, who knows the blitz schemes. Seriously. Like, he's that locked in. Love it. I caught a little bit of his last episode of, uh, of Modern Family. I, I, mean, I don't watch the show, unfortunately. I know everyone oh, is go, hilarious. Get, get, too. It is yeah, that. It so is that but he, he, uh, I know his character, and he, he is, uh, he's coaching peewee football in it, oh, and it was a hilarious scene. How like, it was good, so good is this plot point? Fantastic. Eric Stone Street of the 4-0 and Kansas City Chiefs at Tennessee taking on Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, man. Good. Lovey. Here come the 4-0 Chiefs. And now Jake Locker's out for two more games, and I have to take on Seattle and San Francisco. Oh, good Lord. Go tell the others. If he hangs around till November 24th, the Amish rifle versus the Polish rifle. Oh, Let us, uh, yes. Let's switch gears now. Let's switch gears. Okay, now uh, I guess Chris Brockman, it's time for you to leave the room. I'm gonna you, leave you, again. You're on Breaking Bad episode episode ten, 10 season, season four. four so, so I mean, I gotta no, waste. You have no idea what's about to. Yeah, I you. mean, every episode seems to blow my mind. 
So, I, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to having no brain left by the time it's over. It is so good. But you, uh, Chris Law, you watched the season and series finale on Sunday night, correct? I did. I'm up to date. Not only, I mean, I kind of, you know, on last week's episode with John Hine, I, I did predict. Uh, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm still simming right Don't here. Go, we're trying our best here not to give away any spoilers. Did, did you watch live or did you DVR and watch it after the Falcons and Patriots finally I, got through? I watched live. I had to. No, I, I DVR'd. I watched live. Then I watched Talking Bad right after, okay. too. So. Well, so Chris Brockman, please leave the room. Right. Because en- enjoy, There fellas. you go, because yep, our, yep. our guest is on the on the line returning to the Rich Eisen podcast, um, a man who was essentially for most of the entirety of a Breaking Bad series uh, wrote uh, a s- episode by episode breakdowns uh, for Time Magazine and for uh, Time.com. And we're pleased to have uh, the uh, television critic for Time back here on the Rich Eisen Podcast, Jim Ponowazic. How are you, Jim? Uh, great. Thank you, Rich. Uh, so well, let's just start first off here. Again, uh, we're going to give away spoilers so folks can, I guess, let's do this 15 minutes and we'll hit some other stuff. Um, where do you stand on the finale of, of Breaking Bad? I liked the finale. I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was a good finale. If, if, if I had to put you know, a, a grade on it... Yeah, I'd say it was it was like a, a, a B plus episode closing out in an A series. Um, you know, I I, I thought that I, I've been thinking about this 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 lately. You know, I, I wrote a review like a lot of TV critics, sort of staying up and pounding it out two hours after it finished, and then I've been kind of cogitating on it ever since. And you know, it kind of occurs to me that there there are very very few, particularly drama series finales that I really think of as great episodes in and of themselves. Uh, you know, there, there, there are some exceptions, but I think it's hard because there are often so many things to, 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 to cram in, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I, I, I did feel that, you know, partly just uh, uh, maybe unfair expectations because the last run of episodes was so fantastic. So good. Breaking Bad. Well, I mean, he... like Ozymandias that were, that was like, Probably the best episode that it ever did. Uh, you know, I, I didn't feel that it landed the same way that some of those did. But given the degree of difficulty it had set up, uh, you know, I, 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 I'd have nitpicks more than more than real complaints. Yeah, I mean, Ozymandias was the was the one where uh, essentially um, it all went down with Hank and yeah. and. It, it, and the exactly, shootout, exactly. and 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 the episode before that as well was equally as mind blowing and scintillating and on the edge of your seat. And then the last two became ponderous. Uh, the penultimate one was essentially a setup for the final one. It was. It felt more like a Sopranos or a Mad Men episode where you got introspective. It was all about Walt and not about some of the other characters. And and that's what I think was a little jarring. But I think it all came down to it, and tell me if you think I'm, I'm off here. Uh, it came down to the last episode of tying up loose ends, and the characters who, whose ends were tied up were not characters that you've invested emotionally in, and mentally in for seasons. It's, it, they, they, were, they, they weren't guys like Jesse or, or his family members. It was the, the Nazi gang, Lydia... Um, and, and that, and that's what's maybe left a, a bad taste in some people's mouths. I think that's a bit of it. You know, the, the Nazis, again, you, you could call this nitpicks here, but, um, you know, Jack and his crew, I, Todd was a, a, a fascinating kind of 
weirdly, sweetly creepy character. Yes. Um, yes. But, you know, you, you stand them up against, like, Gus Fring. And, uh, you know, again, I think that's just a case where Breaking Bad has set such a standard for them that, you know, it, it's almost over the top, the idea that what, what's the worst thing we can put Walt up against so that we'll still be cheering for him. Well, Nazis, you know, because everybody hates Nazis. Uh, you know, so, so I think there was, there, there was a bit of that. And, and you mentioned the idea about, you know, um, the time with the characters that we're invested in. And, and frankly, one of the, I, for me, most powerful uh, uh, scenes, sections of the finale itself uh, was, was his scene with Skyler. Uh, you know, because, you know, it's not just ticking off items on his bucket list. It's not just, you know, getting a bunch of business taken care of. You know, there, there is such history there and so much baggage, and it builds up to that just, you know, tremendous revelation where she says, you know, Jesus, Walt, if you say that you did this all for the family one more time, he says, you know, no, I did it for me. That, that, um, was, that was a great moment, yeah. Jim. I mean, that, that was one of those... Um, special moments that you don't get from too many television shows yeah. where where a character is essentially coming to grips with what he has wrought for the entire series uh, on his family. And, and that was at the gist of it. And, and, and that scene, the way that he was revealed to be in the room with Skyler... I thought was special too because you oh, knew pull back the Gilligan, yeah, which uh, Gilligan he directed the revealed. episode, yeah, yeah. directed right. it, right. yeah, and he put the he put the pole, the pillar, yeah. the pillar in between them. Yeah. Also, I thought that was awesome. I loved that. Yeah, I mean, there was there was this whole sort of motif in that last episode where Walt was you know showing up in people's lives almost like a ghost, and it was you know practically literal there that that he almost appears uh, like that. But you know, one. Um, Again, actually, you know, I just posted this afternoon. I, I wrote my sort of post-review, uh, you know, a little further review or addendum uh, based on some of the things that Vince Gilligan's been saying about the finale in his interviews since he's been, been done. But, you know, it, it occurs to me that one thing that I think the finale did that was really kind of brave was, you know, Walt does have a realization there, but it's not really necessarily the sort of conventional TV realization he doesn't in the finale have, you know, any epiphany and realize, you know, I've wasted my life. I've, I've been a very, very bad man. I got to get right with God or whatever, but before I die, uh, you know, he, he, he realizes the truth about himself, you know, which is, I liked doing this. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. but and he, he was he good at it. And he said, he didn't become a good person. That's he what he said. You know, I, I, at the end, you, know, you can tell me if you disagree. It doesn't really seem like, you know, if you asked him that he really deep down thinks he did anything wrong. Things may not have gone the way that he wanted them. Well, but... I think I think he just know the, the thing that he he said at the end when he said that he did it for me, and he said yeah. I was good at it too. Yeah, you know, yeah. like he was prideful of what he did, and I think we were rooting for him to always win. Yeah, even though the the uh, you even call it Machiavellian. I, I don't know. I mean the the the. The means were high, were hardly justifiable throughout the entire process, and to me, that's the thing that I, I was interested in in the end, in the final episode, is would Walt be able to go out on his own terms? Mm -hmm. Because the entire season, since the moment that Hank had that epiphany on on the potty, that yeah. it was it just spun out of his control. 
and everything that he was doing for the entirety of the series was no longer controllable. And that's part of the reason thing I loved about the end, too. It's just like, how else can it end? For what this man has done and what he has wrought, there is no way to put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah. It's over, as he said in the episode. It's over. And there really was no other way for him to finish up than dead on the floor. And the only question is, how would he wind up dead and where? Yeah. That's the only the only drama that was set up for the final episode. And I think that's another reason why it's left people a little bit um, disappointed because they wanted some more cracking scenes and, uh, and, and intensity that we've come to know and love about this show that was not there. It was more ponderous and it was more funereal than anything else. I didn't mind it, though. I yeah, didn't I mean, mind it. I, you know, it's funny that that that, that tone that you talk about too. I, I almost think, in a way, it's like a credit to Brian Cranston. I kind of liked the I, I liked the way he was playing a, a dying man who knew that he was on his way out. You know, in that in that, in that last episode, uh, especially that you know, it's it's he's 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 drawing on you know the Heisenberg side of himself, uh, 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 right, and. and the, you know, when you see him visit Elliot and Gretchen, there's that, that, that bitterness and spite and, you know, the sort of, like, nasty pleasure that he takes in terrifying them. Did you but think he was going there to kill them? There's also kind of, like, kill like, he's, he's also, he just seems, like, very, you know, very, very tired, uh, you know, in a, in a really sort of dry, uh, resigned way. And I, I think that did cast a little bit of that mood over it, like you say. Yeah, I mean, because as he said... It's over. Like, yeah. I think the Heisenberg part, the remember my name, say my name, sort of braggadociousness, that, that, that he knew it was over. There's no reason for that anymore. It was time to finally face facts, create some sort of concoction, which I thought was ingenious, to get the money to his family. I didn't see that part coming, that, that I yeah. thought he was going to go off his former partners and friends in some way, shape, or form, not use them as the conduit to get the money to his family. Um, but it was over in that regard. Now, what was your question, Chris? Well, I was just wondering if, if James saw that coming, because they kind of set it up in the previous episode like he was going to go after them, and that was a definite twist uh, of the, of the fi- finale. I, I, you know, I utterly did not. I, I would say that, you know, that, that whole sequence was, and I, it, it was ingenious, and I think it was one of the, uh, you know, the, the, the real genuine surprises in that last episode. I, I'm not fantastic at predicting plot twists as much, you know, uh, television and movies uh, as I've seen. But I will say that most of what I saw in the finale I had seen predicted by other people at, at some point. Um, except that, that twist with, with uh, Gretchen and Elliot. Elliot yeah. Honestly, if you had asked me to predict, and I think I may have even written this in somewhere in my Breaking Bad writing that last week, um, I, I would have guessed that when we saw them on the, the Charlie Rose show, that was just going to be the last we, we saw them, and that was just going to be the catalyst. And when he goes back, I thought, man, are they, you know, are, are they really going to turn this back into his vengeance against them when we haven't seen them since yeah. what, season two or whatever. Like I was thinking this just seems like a weirdly contrived way to, and, and then even when I, when I realized that, that what he thought was, you know, not, Oh, I'm going to get them, but Oh, these people are a means to an end. 
Um, that, that was that was pretty ingenious. That that's yeah. kind of one of those classic Breaking Bad inventions. And then using uh, Chris Laws, my producer's voice <laughs> doppelganger, um, and his uh, other Jamoki meth head, um, uh, Badger and, uh, Skinny Pete. and Skinny Pete as the guys to flash the red With lasers the laser make yeah. them think that their lives would be in danger, which essentially sealed the deal. Like you know that money is going to go to his family later on. I thought that was a, a fun way to get those two guys back, uh, back in. I forget, yeah. who, I, th- I, th- I forget who called him this. Some One of your television critic colleagues called him the Rosencrans and Guildenstern yeah. of Breaking Bad, <laughs> which I, I thought, thought was... I, too, and I forget who that was also, <laughs> but uh, yes, I, uh, I, I did. I that. loved that because, yeah. I mean, that was a, that's a great way to call him because there are some Shakespearean qualities to the writing and to the, and to the yeah. way this certainly this last episode went down. And Chris Law, you did call Lydia being the recipient of the Ricin last yeah, week. Yeah, I just, definitely saw I think, that one coming. I think I just started to notice that they paid special attention to her stevia all the time. Yeah. It was it was a plot point, and I, and I just there were some theories Good that job Walt, Walt might smoke the ricin cigarette and die. You know, the guy that's fighting lung cancer kills himself by inhaling a cigarette with ricin. No, I didn't and see I, that I, coming. I didn't, I, you know, I, I thought, hey, that's a possibility, but I just saw it for Lydia, and I don't know. I, I love the finale. I thought that this one took a little bit more suspension of disbelief, although the whole show as a whole is a little out there. But, um, you know, the, the part where he's on the FBI's, he's the most wanted man in the world. And he just walks into his wife's home when his sister-in-law yeah. has the DEA and they, and they outside were, the yeah, house. Yeah, I know, and they were sitting on, uh, they were sitting on uh, Flynn's house, too. Yeah. I know. There's yeah. a little bit of do that. You but... pro- do you have a problem with that, Jim? Well, you, you know, uh, I've... I did more in the moment than I did in in retrospect. Cause I see totally what you're saying. You know, the thing is that Breaking Bad, sort of really the whole structure of it, right, is that he's been kind of MacGyver for five seasons. Like there, there have been so many things in and of themselves that seem like tremendous, you know, stretches or uh, depend on coincidence. I mean, you know, the magnet robbed a train of methylamine and so forth. Yeah. But you know, usually, <laughs> usually there would be an episode built around it, and right, and and here there are you know four or five of those things in in a single episode. So it just does seem like he's he's come back like some sort of super powered being um, because it's it's so concentrated. Weirdly, the the thing that actually jarred me the most was not even though I I, I recognize all the implausibilities that that, that you're talking about. The thing that seemed a bit weirdly convenient to me was the, um, the, 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 the moment at the end with Jack. I'm just about to kill you. We're going to kill you. Oh, wait. I'm so offended you called me a liar. Yeah, I know. That we're, that we're going to, put, that we're going to pull, uh, pull Jesse out. That's one of those things where, where you know, that one was – that was – I felt the same way about that too, Jim, because that, rem, that, that reminded me of, like, those – uh, that Austin Powers scene with Doctor Evil, where I'm not going—I could just take out a gun and shoot you now, but instead I'm going to create this elaborate setup that will allow you to escape. You know, yeah. it, I, it was you like the incredible. Yeah, exactly. Uh, monologuing, right? Monologuing. Exactly. That was it. It was monologuing, right? And and getting Jesse up from down in the the, the meth basement was essentially like the sharks with the freaking lasers on their head, and and. <laughs> That was one of those, and the and the Charlie Rose setup too. I thought was a little bit, but we are nitpicking here. Oh because, yeah, totally. Because this show, this show to me for a finale. I tweeted this out on on Monday morning. These finales are so difficult to pull off and execute, and having Walt tie up these ends with 
as a resigned individual, knowing it is all over, and trying to finally write the end, write these ships, and and do it without the braggadociousness. He didn't care about Heisenberg, and he didn't care about uh, finding out where his money is either. He just offed Jack. He just shot him. Finished. Yeah. You're done. I just need to finish my business here. And then I didn't. Th- I, I I wish there would be more Jesse in it. But I thought that one more time, trying to get Jesse to do the dirty work for him, and Jesse basically said, "Do it yourself." Do it yourself. Yeah. And yeah. walking away was just it, it, that. That to me, because you can't have like them hugging because it's that's irreparably that so destroyed at that point. Totally right. Yeah. So, but just to have him one more time. One last time, try to get Jesse to do his dirty work for him, to get him to pull the trigger. Basically, no, you want to do it, do it yourself. And that's the last thing he says to him. And then you see him just screaming as he's running down, riding down the highway. Good for him. Finally released from this prison and also from the hell that these riders have rained upon this poor bastard. Where does he go? For season upon season upon season. I don't even know. Maybe he'll go find Saul and he'll be, he'll be in the, uh, in the, in the, cool. in the, in I'm, I'm hoping he's taking Brock up to Alaska, you know. But yeah, uh, you know, like uh, that, that. That to me, I, I didn't mind that loose end being tied up. But then also that it ends with Walter White in a meth lab, like marveling at the chemistry one more the time. Song that you mentioned too, right? And then the cops are still one step behind him, mm-hmm. right? You hear the yeah. siren in the distance. And he looks at, I guess, his reflection in one of these uh, vats, cylinders, cylinders, and he falls dead. And you even tweeted this out, Jim, a perfect song, a bad finger, Baby Blue. I I I loved it, man. I they had I, to have been sitting on that song for years. They had to have, because you know, I mean, the lyrics uh, somewhat are perfect for the uh, for the moment. And uh, Vince Gilligan said in Talking Bad that he was with his precious. He was sort of like Gollum with his precious yeah. at yeah. the end. I mean, what you know, what more do you want? I know I I understand that you might want a shootout or something more dramatic, but sometimes these things just end with a guy just dropping dead on the floor, and it's all over. You know, and and, and sort of, sort of as you as you say, there 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 are so many there are so many worse things they could have done with the finale that you know I, I was on a, on a whole just glad that it was a last episode that was just it was true to the character of the show. It was very western like, yes. which, which Breaking Bad has always been like, you know, kind of a no country for old men style yes. modern western. Um, you, you know, it had been such a fantastic show and such a remarkable, you know, just just excruciating great run of episodes that came, that came up to that, that, you know, I was perfectly happy with something that stayed in that spirit and did not mess anything up retroactively. I agree. I got a little nervous when he was sitting in the front seat of the car to start and it looked like he was passing out in the car and then suddenly woke up. And the keys flopped out from the rear view, uh, from the uh, from a top of the car. And I thought, you know what? I I hope this doesn't reveal later on that he actually fell asleep and everything that's happened is from here is a dream. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was really holding my breath for that, but just gave Vince Gilligan the credit that he so richly deserves that he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't yeah. do that. You yeah, know, this, this this has never been a you know 
it was a dream. This is the afterlife kind of kind of show. Right. Uh, you know, you know, um, as as imaginative and you know groundbreaking in a lot of ways as as this show's been for TV. You know, Vince Gilligan, he's really a, you know he's a classicist, and he, he's he's you know um, as inventive as the show has been has always been telling a straight ahead story. Um, and you know, honestly, like I'm somebody who really liked The Sopranos cut to black. You know, to me, like that. You know, that, I mean, that's a whole separate argument. But for, to me, that is like a totally fitting ending for that kind of show. Uh, you know, that's that's not that's not Breaking Bad. You know, this was a story that from the beginning had an ending, and uh, you know, he was going to give it one. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Like, because my wife again has not watched the show, and I've been watching the the final season in another room. Just because I, I I didn't want to ruin it for her because she's gonna she's gonna get to it eventually, um, and she asked me you know when I came back in she's like so how did it end you know but not in terms of wanting to know the details but just was I disappointed yeah. and I'm like well you know what it wasn't like the Sopranos where it faded to black and it was something that is going to spark debate on how it ended uh, stylistically yeah what it really was was simple and nice it was really yeah. like going to a wake right and you right. and and it, or it was like an in memoriam for Closure, for walter white and what ended up ended up happening is he was able to go out on his own terms which that was up for that that you're on your edge of the seat about uh would he be able to go out on his own terms because that was what this is all about it was about like going out on his own terms he's got a death sentence with cancer and damn it, he is going to go out on his own terms. He is going to create something for his family, and then it spun out of control to the point where he was going to do something for himself while trying to rationalize it by saying it was for his family. And yeah. then at the end, he does something for his family and ties up some loose ends and goes off. And I thought it was simply like slipped away. Yeah. And and I, I didn't mind that. I, I sort of liked that because, as you point out, Jim, the alternative – that would have been devastating. Yeah. Devastating. And, and as a result, we're not, you know, we're not talking the, you know, the week after about is Walt really dead or not or, or, right. or this or that stylistic point. But, but we're talking about, you know, how, how bad was Walt and how good was Walt and did Walt get what he deserved? And, you know, I, I just think, I think it's amazing, to, no matter like what, you know, everybody thinks about this point or that point of the finale. I just think it's fantastic. There's this show, like 10 million people watched it. Unbelievable. And they're, they're having, you know, a discussion about the morality of this television character. <laughs> Uh, you know, that's that's a pretty great thing for a TV show to be doing. How could the, the numbers go up like that, though, Jim? I mean, do you think it's some people that stopped in season two and just wanted to see what the hoopla was all about? And some did they actually have some first time viewers? They got three point nine extra million. How viewers does that happen from the? I, th I think it got a big. Uh, I think it got a big boost from Netflix and things like that. Uh, you know, which which is that you know there there, you know, anecdotally, I know there are a lot of people all along who were well. For one thing, the, sh the show's audience just built over time. You know, it got word of mouth as the show got better and better, and you have to be a good show in the first place to, to get that kind of benefit. Would this so, show know, have been as popular without Twitter? A whole season after it was done, and so and, and then being able to, to catch up with it on things like Netflix, I think you had this big shadow audience. There were probably more people watching Breaking Bad before than, you know, was really reflected in, in its nightly ratings. And then at that point, once once you're into it, you want to watch the eight episodes live. 
and and it, I think that's at least a big part of the reason why the race just, I mean, freakishly skyrocketed. Unbelievable. You know, there, there are shows that might increase their audience 10% in their fifth season, but it was up over 100% when it came back. Unbelievable. AMC has got to find the next one. I don't know if Low Winter Sun is the next one. Yeah. I know they got they have uh, they have uh, you know Walking Dead. I know they have that. Everyone's gonna. I know Vince Gilligan's already signed on for another uh, TV show, right? With CBS, they already just basically said we'll put twelve, thirteen episodes on the air. They well, not it. to mention that Vince, Vince Gilligan is also making that that Saul uh, Saul Better Goodman calls. prequel, the prequel Saul for AMC, which which I now wish was actually uh, a, Paul, uh, a Saul uh, uh, Goodman sequel about see him Huell. a Cinnabon in in Nebraska, and also to see if Huell's still sitting in the ro- in his hotel room. Yeah, <laughs> do you think do you think show, mind? Do you think this show's as popular before the Twitter age? Because a show like Deadwood, which people loved that watched it, but just not enough people watched it and it died after three seasons this one at least got buzz and created yeah i, I don't know a dead deadwood is a different animal because you, whereas breaking bad you watched a couple of times just to see the intensity and maybe you missed a little bit deadwood I, i'd have to watch two and three times because i didn't understand the uh the country iambic pentameter half yeah. the time i mean that, that was really esoteric stuff it was a much it was a much tougher show to watch you know i'm not sure the deadwood would have been breaking bad even today but I think when you do have the right ingredients in place, which is like, you know, a really good pulp story combined with, um, you know, really great sort of literary storytelling, plus the ability to catch up with it, plus the buzz that builds around Twitter, you know, I, I think that all just kind of came together for Breaking Plus Bad. it's a real simple story, Jim. Yeah. It's a real simple story about a guy who, who's just trying to make ends meet who's been who's been you know given many different blows in his life by fate and by himself getting a death sentence and then suddenly becoming a drug kingpin and then watching how everybody reacts i mean and that's the thing i don't never understood the vitriol that the skylar character has engendered in people because what is this woman supposed to do yeah <laughs> what is she supposed i mean her reaction to what happened to me, was normal. I mean, what is she supposed to do? Stand <laughs> you by your man? I mean, that you're married to a to a, to a drug dealer. <laughs> what in the world? Exactly. Going to be. I know she went from being, you know, shocked and appalled to being the mother hen to try and protect her kids, yeah. to then eventually buying in because you know uh, this was either more convenient for her or she realized she broke bad herself obviously yeah. with her boss at work who she ended up you know putting the putting the finger on i mean i i thought that's the beauty of this show is it just it watched the human condition crack yeah. under some really insane storylines which I think a lot of folks enjoyed watching play out. I think that's what really was a success of this show in many ways. And great yeah. acting. Superb acting. Superb. Uh, su- superb, and you know, I-, I suspect they, they might collect another uh, uh, Emmy or two next year for that, too. That's right. Before I let you go, did, have you been able to see the Homeland premiere? I've seen the first two episodes of Homeland, yeah. Uh, the Dana character is is placing this show in the Jump the Shark territory for me, Jim. I don't know how you can have the intensity of the CIA drama playing out, and I do not care what is happening to Sergeant Brody's family. One I saw somebody who actually did a wit. breakdown that, that 
something like I think maybe it was Mo Ryan at the Huffington Post that like actually thirty percent of the, the airtime in the new episodes is, is devoted to her. Yeah, I, why? I, you know, I'm a why? little interested in the idea of you know what's it like for the family of this you know accused terrorist after this is like upset their life order. But I'm just not that interested in it. No, because Jim, if you think about it, I mean, the first season it was crucially important about his family because a that was his cover, yeah. and b because if they found out how would they react would it blow up uh figuratively uh his cover and and his family was integral to the first season once yeah. his cover was blown who cares who cares what and, and, what and mentally this like, girl's going we have through this cast and they need they they need something to do um the, the, I, I will say, you know, the stuff around uh, the CIA and Saul and Carrie's relationship now uh, and the aftermath of what happened, I, 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 I have very much liked so far. Okay. But I also really liked the beginning of, of last, you know, season two. I thought was was a great season to me up until about halfway in, and then it got nuts. So, you know, I'm... I'm I'm not letting it off probation quite yet. All right. And are you do you I I'm liking the first couple episodes of Boardwalk Empire a lot. I'm enjoying it a lot. I uh, you know you, are Boardwalk you or not? Empire is a show for me ever since um well I'll say I I don't know how spoilery we want to get ever since the end of season 2. Okay. Um when there there was a major change. Yes. Uh, uh that that I enjoy watching so many scenes there are parts of it that I like a lot. The the storyline route Chalky White this season I think is fantastic. But you know, I just sometimes feel, you know, uh and and you know, we'll see how it comes together, is it like I'm watching six or seven different shows, um, some of which are, are, are more interesting than others. So, you know. But but again, that is really a, a show that builds itself a season at a time and you've kinda of gotta see where it goes. Jim, thanks so much. Really appreciate your thoughts. Sure, thanks, Rich. I love uh, talking about I it. I really enjoyed it very much. Uh, where, where can people find your work? Give, me, give yourself a plug here. Uh, find me at time.com, uh, time.com Entertainment, and my blog is called Tuned In, and it's uh, on the Internet 24 hours a day. And also on Twitter at... At uh, P-O-N-I-E-W-O-Z-I-K. There you go. No one else is squatting on that name? <laughs> <laughs> Surprising. I, I beat out like like five people in Poland. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thanks again. Really sure, appreciate it. You. you bet. That's uh, Time Magazine's Jim Ponowazic on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Fun television chat. Welcome back, Chris Brockman. Hey, it's good to be back. You please listen to that once. Well, I'm going to uh, go back. Well, I need to go back and listen to John Hine and yeah, I'm going to go back and, and, and listen Jimmy. to Aaron Rodgers because I just finished Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That was fun. I, I, you know, I miss Breaking Bad already. I really do. And um, what's, uh, what's the word? Because because Badger was tweeting with us. Uh, yeah, um, over I, the weekend. I think we're going to get him on next week in studio. Matt Jones in studio. We're going to get him here, Badger in, in studio. Yeah, he's a he's a huge Bears fan from everything. I So what we I should see. do is what we should do is we should um, we should blindfold Brockman <laughs> and have you and him read the same line or something like we that. We could read a scene. We could do a scene from the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. get a badger scene from the show. You can be Skinny Pete in an episode. I'll be Skinny Pete. Skinny Pete, there you go. <laughs> That's me. Or you just be Jesse. Just uh, throw a lot of so I, I plan on being finished by next week if Badger yeah, is coming why in. why not, man? You know, I've got uh, I've probably got say, 18, 18 yeah, episodes left. Yeah, we tried to get him so. in this week. He's shooting a new show in Burbank, so I think uh, hopefully next week we get him in. 
Yeah, that was cool that Very he was good. responding to us. All right, let's hit some. Uh, let's make some picks. Some good games this week. Uh, well, revisiting last week, I had a horrible week. I, I'm I'm glad I even went. I only went eight and seven. Um, yeah, I went nine and six. But I I you know I I could have had an incredible week. What what happened to the Texans is just an, an abomination, and they have <laughs> they have they have some soul searching to do if, whether that quarterback is the guy or not. Yep. But that said, I, I I mean they were up twenty to three, and and Andre Johnson was open all over the place, all over the place. So I mean Schaub was getting it done in the first three weeks. I would mean, you three would quarters, you make a move if you're the Texans? Nah, what are you going to do to TJ Yates right now? No, no. I mean, ma- I don't make know, a trade. Here's what has to, listen. We talk about it. Every week on this show, we talk about it every week on this show, and we talked about it all last year with what happened with Sanchez. You cannot have turnovers from the quarterback position with regularity. You cannot. And they have gotten – Matt Schaub has thrown a pick six now in three consecutive games. You can't win in the NFL doing that. You cannot win. I'm in a fantasy league where you get negative points for pick sixes. You get minus six. By the way, fantasy league in the Fishmonger League. Okay. Yeah. Fishmonger is now 0-3-1. Oh. So you guys have no no decimal points? No decimal points. No. We're straight up vanilla, which is all I care about. Here's the deal. Uh, (laughs) I'm up against – he's up against a a guy who – he is a, a major motion picture executive in this town. He's at one of the uh, movie studios in this okay. town, and he just loves... I mean, he cackles when you have misfortunes that take place. <laughs> I mean, this is that that type of league where they just love... I mean, when I finished last last year, unbelievable. I'm settling some serious family business this year, just two and two. But I have beaten the fishmonger, and I beat another guy this week who just has been all over me. You're the Andy Reid of your fantasy oh, league? Oh, <laughs> boy. I'm a big, big target. <laughs> But at any rate, so the movie the, the movie executive is going up against the fishmonger. And the fishmonger goes into Monday Night Football with his his team's already done 96 points. Movie uh, executive is down 30. Wow. Down 30, but he's got Jimmy Graham and he's got Brian Hartline. And he benched Larry Fitzgerald because he didn't think Larry was going to do anything on the road against the Bucks defense, right. which is a sort of sound reasoning. Plus, he had the hamstring. Right. Didn't know. Didn't know. So he went with Heartline on Monday. Because you also, you got to go with some Monday Night People. It's always good to have that. It's a little more interesting. A little more interesting, but also you got to sometimes you got to have that in your back pocket just in case Sunday doesn't go your way. Oh, yeah. So Jimmy Graham, (laughs) you get a five-point bonus for 100 yards receiving in our league. Okay. So Jimmy Graham scores, and then he scores again. And suddenly now he's down 11. He's down eleven. Uh, no, it, it basically he's down. He's down seven. He's down seven. Jimmy Graham has eighty-nine yards receiving. So I send out an email. All he needs is an eleven-yard catch, and you're tied because you get the two points for the catch. He's got eighty-nine, and then the five-point bonus. Ah. So Jimmy Graham, as soon as I send that, catches one for eleven yards oh. to get him to one hundred <laughs> points. Now all he needs is one ten-yard catch from Jimmy Graham. Or touchdown, obviously. And Hartline is 34 receiving yards. Just needs one six-yard catch. Just one <laughs> six-yard catch from Hartline. And and Tannehill never looked Hartline's way, way the rest again. of the night. Ugh. Graham gets nothing. Tie game. And the thing that movie executive laments, his kicker 
is Phil Dawson. And he got one point taken away on Thursday Night Football by the 70-yard free kick. (laughs) And that's how he wound up tying. He got a point taken away for that. Yeah, it's a missed field goal. Oh, you have you miss you lose points for miss field oh, goals. Yes, you do. Oh wow! Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Seventy wow. yard free kick. Amazing. Free kicks never <laughs> happen. Oh, last one I think happened in like the eighties. Wow. And he and he tie, tie. I don't, as you know, they're like poker bad beats. Right, of course. You don't but like telling these, but that's yeah, special. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, funny. Boy. It's funny. I picked up my first win in the raffle this week. Oh, I was, good for I you. was down nine and had Colston. You talk about having a guy. So you on are night. you are one and three. One and three. And what are you? Uh, in my in my official in the one league, you care about in the my most. official league, yeah. I'm, I'm two and two. Two and two. Yeah. In the fishmonger league, I'm two and two. In the Garland league, I'm three and one. I beat Garland this week. Oh, nice. Beat him up, but good. And I'm now number one. First place. And I'm defending champ. Oh, I love this. Feeling good. But my oh. picks were in the toilet. Eight and seven. Ooh, yeah, you uh, you struggled. Law, law did great. Eleven and four. How did you go oh. eleven and four in a week like that last week? I made some, and you took the Texans too. And and I took the Eagles. Eagles man. You oh, could have so. had a huge week, Jeez, Louise. I but, had the I had the Ravens losing, and I also picked. Uh, I still have a well, two game lead on you guys. Here's my problem: oh, is overall. I as I switched a few last minute. I switched from Oakland to Washington once I heard Terrell Pryor was out. Yeah. That was a good move on my part, and then I just thought to myself, San Diego's not going to beat Dallas, even though I thought San Diego would. Made that switch. Should have switched the Jets. I switched to, to Tennessee. the Tennessee. Didn't do that. You switched to the Jets. Oh, yeah. boy. Um, and trust that first instinct. All of I us know. had the Bengals, and you, sir, took the Bills last week. I did. And you were the, took the Vikings. That's how you go 11-4 and four in a week yeah. like last week. Yep. Yeah. Um, all righty. So Give us the week. five games this week. Sure. Uh, let's start uh, first off with that. Let's go to that 1 o'clock Fox game. The Saints travel to Chicago That's a to good take one. on the Bears. Wanna... Four and overs, three and one. Brockman, who do you take in that one? Uh, who dat nation? On the road, huh? On the road, the Saints. I like that defense, man. They're getting after the football. Law? Uh, I'm going to actually I'm gonna go with the Bears. Uh, I'm with you. I, yeah. I, I, I like just the don't think one. the Saints are going to – I mean, the Saints are – so they Coming prove they sh- can run the ball. Short week, too. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they got to go on the road. Um, but you know what? I mean, Sean Payton, talk about settling family business. He's got to be ecstatic right now. Coming back like that, 4-0. You don't see the Saints doing too much national television either, by the way. By they the way. Started I, think up- they're, I think that they are hunkered down. They started 0-4 last yes, year. Now they're 4-0. Wow. A four-game improvement, if my math proves correct. I'm going to take the Bears, though. I just think the Bears bounce back. I think they're at home. I think that they will get something done. But this is a big game for the Saints because they will be up. They will be five and zero, and 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 the Bears with the Packers coming back off of their bye. Um, I I, I think that they need to win this game. These are the games they need to win at home. They need to win a conference game like this. Although I don't think this is going to be a tiebreak situation for these two teams. I yeah. think, like I told you earlier in the show, I think the NFC South is a wrap. What's you, the next game? Are you concerned with the Saints not being able to run the ball? No. It's not if Breeze in. is going to wing it around like that. Okay. Next game is uh, Chris Brockman's 4-0 New England Patriots traveling to Cincinnati uh, for a 1 o'clock CBS game versus the 2-2 two two Bengals. I'm going to take the Patriots in this one. I am a believer. I am, I am a full-on believer with what's going on right now. I cannot believe they won that game in Atlanta. They might have Gronk back, too. I don't think so. I think Gronk's saying week six. You think so? 
That's what everyone's talking about. You know, Cincinnati, for all this talk about making a leap and being AFC contenders, you can't lose to the Browns. Well, I mean, Dalton is just looking a little bit lost, isn't he? Our friend of the program. Yeah, AJ Green. AJ Green is in the, I have him in my fishmonger league and I won this week by fifty plus points without him. Joe Hayden. He has been he's been locked down by Joe Hayden and, and now um, he's got a key and to also, lead. And also um uh, the Steelers locked him down. Oh, and Clark. now he's facing Talib, who's playing some of his best football. He, I Wait, mean, I, I can't go against the Patriots here. Man, I agree with you. I think Talib's going to erase him. Yep. As of now, I'm going to. Maybe gonna I should. Should I, should I? Do I start Cambrell Tompkins? I started him last week. Oh, but no, I started him as a flex over AJ Green. Do I bench no. AJ Green? No. Do I bench yes. AJ Green? Now you're Green? talking yes. crazy. He's going to get uh, 12 targets. Who? Uh, Tompkins. We'll start them both. Who's the other option? I mean, Wes, Wes Welker and Jordy Nelson. Yeah. I'm a cropper. I'm a wash. Wow. With big time wow. wide receivers. That's good problem to have. It is. Wow. And I got Eddie Lacy coming back. Trade. Oh, I've tried. I already tried to flip Kembrell Tompkins uh, for the Seattle defense. I got uh, shut down. I'm like, what down. are you talking about? Seattle defense can average averages right now 16 fantasy points per game in our league. Wow. And Kembrell's averaged 19 and a half the last two weeks. Come on. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, they okay. said no. I, are you going to lone wolf? You're taking yeah, the Bengals? Yeah, I'm going to lone wolf. Okay. I just want to take the home team. Okay. What's the next game? Next game is the 3-1 and one Detroit Lions head to Lambeau Field. Oh, man. One o'clock to take on the Packers. I think that's the Packers going away. I think the Packers come off a bye. They are ready to go. Lacey's going to run like the wind. The Lions um, on the road are going to be a different team, I think. And um, I, it's so tough to beat a team coming off a bye. I know it's it's doable, but I'm taking the Packers. I don't, I don't see the pack at one and three. I'm sorry, Honolulu Blue fans. Brockman? Taking yeah, the Packers. Yeah, I, I don't know how you pick against the Packers here, but I'm not going to be surprised if Detroit wins. They uh, they really impressed me. I know they were at home last week against well, Chicago. Who are you taking? I'm going to take Green Bay. Law? Sweep? I'm going to take Green Bay, too, here. I, it, it, okay. uh, like you said, 1-3 and three for the Packers. I just don't see it happening. Okay. Too None of us saw the Falcons at 1-3, and three, though. That's, that's okay. true. Okay, and then what's the, what's the last uh, one here? Last one here. Or actually, two more. Uh, the fourth game, Seattle Seahawks 4-0 travel to Indianapolis. Mm. 1 o'clock take mm. on uh, um, the Andrew Colts. Luck and the Colts. What a game that one is. I'm looking forward to that one. Me, too. As am I. All right. I'm, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't want to go against the Hawks, man. I can't right now. But you know what? You can't right now. But the Colts, right? The Cleaners coming on. They're looking good. Trent Reggie Richardson, Wayne had a hundred. Reggie Wayne. Oh, man. I'll tell you what, though. Trent Richardson's stat line is this every week. It's like 20 carries, 57 yards, hey. and a touchdown or two touchdowns. I'll take the Colts. Thanks for coming on, Coach Carroll. <laughs> no, I mean, I just think, again, the Seahawks are not going to go undefeated. Yeah. They're going to beat everyone at home, and they're going to have to lose a couple on the road. They're going to. And they go all the way from Seattle to Texas, back to Seattle, and then to Indianapolis. That's tough. Coming off an emotionally I mean, this is – I know they get Bruce Irvin back. I don't know. By the way, uh, the fans, 70% are taking the Seahawks. I'm I'm going to take the Colts as well. Oh man, you guys are Law? killing me. I wanted I thought I would be lone wolfing nope. on the Colts. Nope. Let's move on. Let's move on. All right. We're all taking I might, Denver, I might right? I switch back to Seattle for We're now. all taking Denver, right? I wasn't going to You want to do that game? No, we just we're no, just no, we're all yeah. yeah, we're all taking Denver. Um Te- the Texans Niners, I think that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Sunday night football's lineup is just insane. Well, it's the NBC folks, right? Houston Texans 2 and 2, Niners 2 and 2. 
San Francisco at home. I think they realized what they do well, yes. and I think they're going to stick to that. I despite the Niners win that game, despite Houston's stout d- defense, Niners win that game. Got to take the Niners, and, man. Uh, but but we do need to pick one more game. We have to pick one more game, and that game is Eagles at Giants. Oh no, <laughs> I was trying to avoid that one. Who do you take in that one? Did the Giants really go zero and five? Did they lose at home? No. Or no, does Chip no, Kelly? Does Chip Kelly prove? One thing, he sure can't win in the AFC West. <laughs> but what he can do is win in the NFC East. That's true. What happens? What happens, Law? I Chip haven't seen Kelly's it. first trip up the turnpike. Man, you're making me pick this one. Yeah, yeah buddy. What do you got? What do you have? What do you have? I mean, I got to take the Eagles against an 0-4 Giants team, right? The the both. I mean, this game's crapola. I don't really want to watch it. Brockman? G-Men. I'm going to take the Eagles and say that it's just a world of poop for Tom Coughlin right now. If they go 0-5, does Tom Coughlin make it through the season? Sure. The Giants don't fire coaches midseason. I mean, who knows? Unless they're Ray Handley. Come on. No. No, Coughlin's the man there, man. It's just what he's supposed to do. But every single year. What is he supposed to do? Eli can't be protected. The middle of that line has been decimated by injuries. Justin Tuck said he'd punch someone in the Nobody. face, too. I just think they, 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 don't, have, they don't have the firepower to keep up with the Eagles. Right now, I mean, Eli could turn around right now and find Knicks all over the field and Cruz, who can only catch touchdowns of 60 yards or more. <laughs> right. and, and maybe, you know, David Wilson runs the ball. But right now, the way you see how he's running with the ball, like he's, he's covering it with both arms. Like he's like a mummy. Over, he's yeah. like a mummy. Marshall saw him run that yeah. ball and uh, watching games. He goes, son, you can't run the ball can't that way. Like you that. run out of the league. You take the G-Man, you're one I like the G-Man. Very good. Very good. All right. Now, before we wrap up, quarter post. Okay. Let's review. All right. Let me get them pulled up here. Let's review because I'm feeling mighty fine. Let me pull up some stats here. I am feeling really good about my picks. I have a feeling you should be. Okay. I got them up. All right. Who do you want to start with here? I got some stats up, too. We are at the quarter post mark. Let's start with uh, with friend of the podcast and hurting hurting giant fan. <laughs> well, he Jerry, went he, Jerry Ferraro Jerry went Ferrara. with the Giants, right? And, and the Bengals. He went Giants Bengals for a Super Bowl. Pick. That's not looking good. Not looking good for him. Um, MVP? Coach of the year. Co- coach of the year. Jim Harbaugh. Still, that's not that's not a, that's not out of the woods. Correct. MVP. He's sitting pretty here with Peyton. Okay. Manning. Right. Rushing champion, not looking so good with the butler, uh, Alfred Morris. Not at all. Alfred Morris currently seventh in the league in rushing. Okay. Nice. And then passing champion, uh, although he's had a bye, Aaron Rodgers. So Where does, he, where does Aaron Rodgers rank? Uh, Aaron Rodgers 15th in where, passing yards. Where did he rank after week three? Can you check that? Uh, uh, I don't think no, that's No, you can't. We can't okay. sort. But he has uh, – he has – He's averaging 340 yards a game, wow. so he's, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty he's in good shape. <laughs> and that Lions defense, everybody, let's yeah. see how they're going to – but, hey, listen, they, they hunt. And Dominican Sue is playing out of his mind. Nick Him and Fairley, that's well. the, what was the plan when they drafted Fairley, and they put the bang thing on Cutler. They did. Sue. Looked great, man. And that's funny. All week in the meeting, what were those guys saying? That uh, Kyle Long was going to get Sue. Definitely, yeah, Warren said that Kyle could block his dad and, and his brother. And his brother definitely saw a maturation in Cutler though, because his post game interview, he took the he took the blame. He said everyone played well, I played bad. 
if I do a few things differently, different result, which you don't see that well, on the Cutler's color. always taking responsibility. He's but he has, you know, on the field, you know, yeah. smacked his lineman around a little bit. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, he's deserved to cuz Okay, got, let's move on. All right, Jeff and Jackie Schaefer, friends yes. of the program. Their Super Bowl pick, uh looking great, 2-4-0 Denver teams. Seattle, right? Seattle Denver. Okay, yep. Uh coach of the year, looking great, Andy Reid. Andy Reid was their coach of the year. Yeah, nice. You know, that is looking I really like that that's one. sneaky good. I like sneaky that one. good. I mean, they're looking good oh, all around. Okay, actually. what do you got? MVP, uh, Russell Wilson, 4 0 team quarterback. I don't know if Russell Wilson. I mean, again, with all due respect, love Russell. All Seattle fans will tell you the media doesn't really get too crazy about him. That's a media award. They've got. I mean, they've got to go. They've got to finish with the best record. If they're fourteen for, and two. If they're fourteen and two, and Denver is fifteen and one, it's going to Peyton. Please, yeah, right. And and if if let's put it this way, if Denver's fourteen and two and Seattle's fifteen and one, Denver's eleven and five. It's going to Peyton. I mean, it. Interesting though. Right, it is. That is a good one. They I have mean, a it, chance. It's, to by the way, absolutely feasible and maybe warranted. By the season's end. True. But we all know who the quarter post MVP of this league is right now. Oh, no doubt. All right. Passing champ, uh, Drew Brees, Brockman. Oh, what is his numbers right now? Drew Brees is second in the league in passing. Behind Manning, right? Behind Peyton Manning. He is. How many yards uh, does he have? He has 1,434. How ridiculous is that through four games? That's insane. I think he tied his own record for most consecutive. Did he he tie a record for most 465 yards a game? pretty much. Uh, 359. 359. Unbelievable. <laughs> all right, and then rushing champ for them, they have uh, AD all day. Adrian Peterson, number two in the league, 421. Who's How about no, that, Who's man? number one? LaShawn McCoy. Uh, four, well, how many does Shady have? 468. All right. But Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson at one and three is still number two. McCoy, six yards a carry for McCoy. Mm. Wow. All right, let's go Brockman. We'll go your picks next. All right. Uh, Super Bowl, Falcons versus Patriots, a rematch of last week. I'm I'm half there. Yeah. I'm half there. You still got a shot with the Falcons. They're they're a talented bunch. Yeah, they're not going to make the playoffs. You went Homer. You went Belichick here. Hey, 4-0 with a bunch of nobodies, 14 rookies. Again, a media award. Yeah. uh, I think, uh, yeah. But you're right, though. He's definitely a candidate. But, okay. No, you're – and MVP, Tom Brady. Coach of a 4-0 team with, what, 14 rookies, you okay. said? Yep. You went all in. You went all in on the pie. You homa. Hey, Lombardi went all in on the on the Ravens last you year. You homa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> passing champ, Matthew Stafford. Uh, Stafford is fourth in the league in passing. How many yards behind? He is 208. And this one's a Which is a quarter for him, potentially. <laughs> right. This one's been a disappointment for fantasy, for everything. The muscle hamster, Doug, oh. Doug Martin. Fourth in the league in rushing, Doug Martin. Is he really? Three forty-two. Wow. Silently. Yeah, he's just no touchdowns, right? No touchdowns. He's he's only and it's averaging receiving too. His receiving yeah, down. He's only averaging right? thirty-four, uh, three point four yards a carry. But you know, he's getting the yards. Okay, so you're I not would not have guessed. That. I would have guessed he would not even be in That's single like digits. Sixteenth. Yeah, yeah. Me too. That's where I thought. Me too. All right, uh, I'll do mine next. We'll save you for last, Rich. Uh, I had Houston versus Seattle. So we, yeah, we may have just saw the game, maybe not. Not looking great. <laughs> My picks aren't looking so good. Uh, Keep going. All right, coach. This one could actually, but most likely not. I got Chud uh, Rodjinski. Uh, okay, hey, it's so, early. Two, uh, it's two, early. You know, coming, coming back. 
Can we skip over my MVP? No, no you've got Cam. We can't. Can't. No, we can't. No, no. Cam. All right, all right, Cam. It's still early again. Uh, you know, only two losses. Passing champ, Drew Brees. That's good. Number That's two good. overall. By the way, Cam Newton, 30th in the league in passing. Oof. <laughs> He's only, again, he was on a bye also. Yes, that's true. Uh, rushing champ, uh, I as well as Jerry had the butler, Alfred Morris. Where, where's he at? Seventh. Okay, so coming off a little bit. 5.3 yards a carry. He does have a rib injury, but Redskins now on look, a, on Can a we get to the week. host, please? Yes. Uh, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Let me put my feet up. Yes, his feet, and ladies and gentlemen, are going up. Behind my head. Would you, would you, you like a cigar? cigar? Sir, sir, would you like uh, a cigar, please. All, All right. right, please. Rich, you got uh, Super Bowl Denver versus San Fran, okay. which that's the Let's, shakiest of your picks, I would say. Okay. Uh, Coach John Fox, hey, 4-0. John great. Fox is 4-0. Hey, everybody. MVP Peyton Manning. Oh, hey, Almost locked up. Yes. Passing champ Drew Brees. Second. Second place. Second. Second. Rushing champ Adrian Peterson. Second. Second. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What'd you you know, you, hey, listen, you don't you, win you trophies. What did he go week four? You don't win trophies with the quarter post, but that's, that's, that's not bad. Good. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's pretty good. Oh, good, last year, answer. somebody only got like one of the five right, right? Only one person even got one of the five right, correct? Uh, Lombardi got three out of the five last Did year. Did he really? Well, no, he, he said he Flacco got... was the MVP of the season. MVP. Right, but he had not the, he not had the, the Super, Super Bowl. But he had Ravens, Super Bowl, and, and he had coach, coach right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he had two out of the five. He went all yeah. in on the Ravens. He got two and a half, right? Oh, because he, no, he had the Ravens Super Bowl. Did the Ravens? It was the half. And but then, he, had the, he had the Harbaugh Super Bowl, right? Yeah. And yeah. then Jim winning this Coach of the Year. He had that. Yep. That, he had that. That's impressive. Okay, guys. You want to tease ne- next week? Next we week. Uh, oh, next week. Next Chris week. Law booked a guest for next week. Hey, now. Yes, I did. Announce it. Go ahead. He's your guest. Yes, we got the head coach of the Penn State Nittany Lions, Bill O'Brien, <laughs> Bill coming O'Brien. on the podcast because awesome. they're facing off against Brady Hoke and Rich's uh, ah. Michigan Wolverines. And that's not the only thing germane about Coach O'Brien. Not at all. Tom Brady, as we all know, right. he has a history uh, being um, in his face. Yes. And uh, and Brady is doing some mad work, as they would say now, literally and figuratively. That's right. And uh, also, um, Brian Hoyer. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Was a was a patriot, patriot when he was there. Yep. And then there's a kid out in Oakland who made a roster. Correct. Matt McGloin. There's and stuff this, to talk about with a, Coach O'Brien. A walk on at Penn State. And an undrafted, technically walk-on in Oakland. Yeah, and turned it around. So, I mean, the guy obviously... They like him there, apparently, a lot. Love him. And he's got Hackenberg. Oh, McGloin you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. No, he's he's solid. I mean, I thought he would get in. He didn't dress, though, when Pryor got hurt. So, that's why... uh, I know. But, smart kid. There you go. Penn State Nittany Lions. Looking forward to Coach coming out and us us talking. Who else do we have? Um, That's it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe Matt Jones, maybe, maybe Badger. Badger from Breaking Bad. See, that's that how we well. roll here. That's how we Bill roll. O'Brien and maybe Badger from Breaking Bad. <laughs> and we'll get an NFL player or two on. Why not? Okay, uh, watch if you are downloading this on Tuesday, uh, the Steve Sable uh, football life. Yeah, 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 I saw it. I saw it. Spectacular. Spectacular. Yeah, it's as good TV as it yard. gets. It's, it's one of those things you're so proud of it. And you know the NFL films folks who put that together. That they talk about pressure. Yeah, talk, t- you're telling his story in one hour. They nailed it. They nailed it. They nailed it on every level. It's spectacular. The one thing that I will reveal, okay, 
that they they I did not know who his last interview was. Sit down interview was pretty famous interview. His last one of his life that he went to the player, sat down at that facility. That's a tease. Watch tonight. Blew me away because it wasn't him in the in the piece that we saw it eventually on television. It wasn't him where they showed it. He did it for the show. It's not like a one-on-one Sable Presents type thing. He was the one who conducted the interview. Kind of like producer sound. Correct. Correct. Steve Sable was the one who did it. Wow. Awesome. I want to talk. I got a guess. That's a tease. Wow. Watch it tonight, and then I'm hosting the backstory at 10 Eastern time, um, live here in studio with Dick Vermeule. Love that guy. Vermeule Wines, by the way. Get his wines. He's an incredible vintner. And then at NFL Films, two guys who Sable gave a shot on television, and now they're at the tops of their games, Mike Mayock and Ron Jaworski. Oh, great. Talking about Sable. Wow. That's awesome. Dude, I, dude, I, cry, I cried watching it last night. I cried. Oh, I, gotta, I can't. I it might have been because I was so. working on two hours sleep, and I knew <laughs> the morning would, would hold. But um, So watch that. Also, uh, puntersorpeople2.com. Get your T-shirts. Oh, thanks to everyone for sending their pictures in from the game this week. Yeah, there's a lot of folks that was sending awesome. in their punters t shirt even the new style ones. ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, One update, too. Our, our Rich 10 promo code ran out at the beginning of the season. We saved you 10%, but we're at a quarter of the way through. If you use the uh, promo code TWITTER20 and you're an international listener, you get 20% off a of Game Pass now. You sure? So every Are you game. sure? Because I, I don't want to get positive. these tweets clogging up my timeline. About hey, I'm in Denmark, and what Chris Law said doesn't work. <laughs> no, no. Like I'm like I'm customer service. That's that's my those are my favorite tweets, Chris. It works. It works. Okay. Do you respond to those tweets in an Indian accent? What do I say? What do I say? <laughs> I'm like here I am. I'm hosting Thursday night football. I'm trying to stay current by finding out what's happening on my own timeline and also on the you know the mentions timeline. Trying to stay current, and it's clogged up with people saying, I can't get this, I can't get that. Hey, that's a back-end issue. <laughs> that has nothing to do with like a, Like a Sanchez back-end issue? I've gone on a little blackout because I'm trying to avoid the, the Breaking Bad spoiler. Yeah, so, you better get, so you I better get on I it. I haven't been on. But get uh, on it. International shout-out to Brandon Roney this week, B-R-O-N-E-Y-2. He says, how about an international shout-out this week to a Canadian listening in countries in Europe, Vietnam, and Thailand as he wow. travels? Awesome. Love that, man. Thanks, dude. Appreciate yeah, it. Thanks to all the international listeners. Yeah, we also, and we won't, we won't mention it by name because he asked us not to, but we got a really nice letter uh, from a listener. Uh, you guys recall that? Oh, yeah, that absolutely. Yeah, blew me away. Yeah, that was amazing. Kind of blew us all. It amazing. was just a, a really nice uh, email, so shout-out to him and for listening. He doesn't want to mention it. Because uh, he, uh, he's in the works of potentially proposing, and I don't think he wanted it to oh. be... Uh, you know, spoiled. Okay. So, yeah, Very we'll good. keep that one under. Yeah, yeah. That was a cool. I mean, that was, that blew me away yeah, when, I know. when we yeah, got that. Cool. Yeah, yeah not only show. we're we're not only uh, enlightening people, we're saving lives. Saving lives here on this podcast. This podcast saves lives. <laughs> <laughs> Guys didn't know that. Did Is you? that a t-shirt? Hi. I'm hey, Rich, get some rest, buddy. Uh, Chris Law, thank you. Thank at you. Chris Law, at Chris Brockman. I'm at Rich Appreciate Eisen for at the Eisen Podcast. Uh, at Eric Stone Street at Pete Carroll. Cal Ripken Jr. does not have a Twitter. Not surprising. And at Ponawazic, I'm not spelling it. <laughs> you can rewind and download uh, and download how he spells his own Twitter address. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you after the Browns and the Bills kickoff week five next week on the podcast. Hello.
Me, Cookie Monster. Yeah, me always listen to the Rich Eisen podcast. It's me favorite podcast. Yeah, me listen on NFL.com. Oh, and it's also on iTunes. Just in case you not know that. Oh, me going to go listen right now. And for all of us here at the Medill School of Journalism, thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. Stay listening, dear friends.